podcastjuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Prince Podcast here on podcastjuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and today we are jumping into the Purple Rain Deluxe Expanded Edition. And then we're going to be talking about the reissue, the re-release of Purple Rain. And uh, this, we've been talking about this for a while. I've been highly anticipating and finally here. And to help me do that, we are joined by some of my best compadres. Uh, let's see, who do we got first? Mr. Aunt Pooh, sir, how are you? Man, I'm doing good. I, I did the daddy thing this morning, and the, the brothers are worn out. I'm here to get up in this purple rain. Pause. <laughs> All right. Uh, you said you did the baddie thing, and you got worn out? Huh? No. <laughs> the daddy thing. Oh. Daddy thing with the Cub Scouts. We went on a nature hike today, and I was like, like oh. God damn, I can't keep up. <laughs> Got to get in shape, man. Got to get in shape. Yep. Indeed. Got one more on the way, too, so I'm like, oh, man. Ooh. Put yeah, that. you need to get ready. <laughs> I'm putting in that work, boy. Praise a girl. Praise a girl. All right, all right. Also joining us, man, I haven't heard him in a minute, but he had <laughs> to come back for this one. Mr. Day Dropping, sir. How are you doing? Oh, man, I am so hyped up, excited for this one. Been waiting for this one for a while. So, yeah, I'm good to go. I'm very happy. Very happy. Yes, glad to hear your voice, man, and have you back on. Also, yep, yep. Mr. Sean Hill. I don't know where that came from. But like. yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> um, uh, sent baby girl off to, to uh, Georgia yesterday. And uh, actually, I got a paycheck yesterday, which is, uh, I know it's nothing to y'all, but it's big to me. <laughs> hey. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. My brother got paid. Yeah. Right. That's right. I was able to pick up Purple Rain. There you go. The deluxe edition. <laughs> got it in my hand. Nice. I didn't have to, you know, bum and try to borrow. <laughs> oh, wow. That. I am I am I am back. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready, <laughs> to, ready to Hey, you know, when you when you go without money for a long period of time, like I said, getting a paycheck is <laughs> something good. So but but I'm doing good. I'm back and ready to get into it. All right, man. Salute to you. I, I hear it in your voice, brother. I hear it yeah. in your voice. Also joining us is Mr. Straight off the prosecutor's ass. <laughs> Mr. Oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, big sexy and sack. All right. <clears throat> Let's do this. Ready to run. Been thumping my music all night long and uh, ready to go. And oh, yeah. All right. Trying to hold it in. Trying to hold it in. Okay. Well, I know we're busting out the seams. Pause. But. La, 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 la. Okay. Uh, here we go. This, this is the Purple Rain Deluxe. We've been wanting to talk about this for a minute, so we finally got it. And let's just start off with this one, which is the actual remaster of the Purple Rain album. And it's an interesting title to me that it says on here. Is the 2015 Paisley Park remaster. Now, for those who are listening to this, and as you know, sometimes these shows, you might listen to this, who knows, you could be listening to this since 2020, right? But we're recording this in 2017. Now, this is the first thing I want to talk about 
because I don't see a lot of people talking about this, and I just think you have to address it. Why would it be called a 2015 remaster and it don't get released until two years later? Now, obviously, there's answers for that. But I wanted to jump around the room real quick. Apparently, right, Prince, we remember years ago there was a, an announcement that Prince re-signed his record deal with, oh, excuse me, with Warner Brothers. And one of the things that they were touting when this new deal happened was that he had agreed to do a anniversary uh, release of the Purple Rain album. I think it was for the 30th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. And that was, everyone was hyped on that. I think we did a whole show about that at that time. And uh, years come and go, and wasn't no release. And I think Prince, when he was alive, he had tweeted something a few years ago about, like, he had turned in the album, the remaster, or whatever, and it's, it's up to Warner Brothers. And we just never knew what really was popping off. And I don't know if we ever really will know, but I'm just curious, what do you guys think that it takes two years when you pass the anniversary segment of it that they would release this? Um, I, I just want to go around the room. Uh, day drop it, man. What, what do you think about all that? Well, I, and with the with the year noted on itself, I think if, if anything as somber as it is, it's, it's kind of a capitalizing on on his death, on his passing. Because then you can say, oh, this is one of the last things that he did. He passed away in 2016, one 2015. This is it, and he oversaw it. Uh, so it's kind of really playing off of that. Um, I guess you could say big time nostalgia aspect of it by putting in that. That day, it really wouldn't make much sense to to make it sound like it's a brand new remaster like now, uh, because then people are automatically going to think, oh, well, then you know he didn't have much input on it. The fact that it's that you're putting that it's two, 2015, you're saying you're, you well, we know that he had some input on it, but you're just emphasizing it. But you're emphasizing it to the point where saying that this is something that he worked on just prior to his death. So it's one of the last things he did. This is one of his babies. It's one of the last his last uh, stamps that he put out there. Um, and I think it's it's a messed up way to think about it. But I really think, uh, you know, from a marketing standpoint, that that's what was done. Pretty much. That's my take on it. All right. Uh, big Sexy, man. What is your thoughts? You know, I have to agree 100% with that because, again, a lot of the material that I see says – you know, remaster overseen by Prince himself. This is the definitive word on his masterpiece. It's his last word on the masterpiece and whatnot. So, and the fact that he had reacquired all of his masters, you know, that tells us, the consumer, that he had direct involvement with this. This isn't like, a, you know, the hits package or things that were just thrown together by the label to recoup money. This was something he was involved in and wanted to make some changes to. Now, as far... Well, we'll get to the rest later. But as far as the actual, you know, nine-song soundtrack, yeah, he had direct hand, a hand in this. And also, I see how Warner's has released it on other platforms like in high resolution. And I just see now that it's going to be a 180 gram vinyl as well. So they're definitely making it available in all the formats for people to uh, go out there and pick up. All right. Uh, and lastly, just, just one more, one more person uh, to, to jump on on this. Uh, Sean, man, what's your thoughts on this? Thing? Um, you know, I, 
I don't really know how much involvement Prince actually had in this uh, remastering process, but it, you know, it's definitely a, I guess, marketing tool just to say, hey, he, you know, oversaw it or, or what have you. Um, honestly, I really don't care. It, it's it's here, and and it, you know, we, we got it, and, and that's all I care about. All right. Uh, like I said, to me. Oh, and uh, and the other thing is, uh, Sean. Now you have the booklet right. uh, accessible to you right now. Can you tell us? Can you go to the part where it tells us who actually did the remaster? Does it say that in there? Uh, let me just see if I see it. Why you're uh, finding that? Um, so why you're looking for that? And I already know who the answer is, but I want you guys a bit to put it out there. It just it's it's interesting to me. So. <clears throat> This was one of the last things, you know, you, you, to say like this is one of the last things he was working on a few years ago. Uh, my take on it is. I think they should ex- and maybe they do. They should explain in that book why they would put the title of that, why they would need to put that on the title of the songs. I just think that's interesting to me. Like you, you don't need you have to really time date the day it was remastered. One would assume it was remastered recently, but maybe it matters that he had a hand in it, so I can understand that. All right, the booklets. Go ahead. Uh, the booklet said remastered by Prince at Paisley Park Studios, Chanhausen, uh, Minnesota. Uh, remastering engineer Joshua A. M. Welton. Okay, now sit on. Let, let that sink in just for a second. So I was saying that Prince did the remaster, and the engineer was Joshua. Now. I, I have to be on my uh, snobbery just for a second. Just, I have to give a little pushback because I know some of these fans, some of the fans, some be like, you can't just let that slide. How, <laughs> how would it be possible? Well, it's possible because that's what Prince wanted to do. But wouldn't we? Wouldn't you think that they would have like? Again, I'm only asking this because I don't know Joshua's resume. I don't know if he's an engineer. And he's mastered albums before, and he's known for doing that kind of stuff. One would say, like, if you have such a high watermark album, that means not so much. That means a lot to Prince, but also means a lot to music in general, right? Just in the general landscape of pop culture. We would think that you would want to have some of the top cats that you could say, oh, you know, Bernie Goodman or blah, blah, blah. Some of these names that ring out that you would go to to handle that. It just seemed interesting to me that you would have a, a younger guy who I don't know. Like I said, I don't know his 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 resume. That's my ignorance. But I don't, what other albums has he had where you would play, have him do this? That's that's one of the questions I would ask. I, I guess I would have to ask that to Prince, right? I think I can give you an answer. Go, go ahead, man. I think he didn't care. He's like, this is what Warner wants. I'm, I'm, I just want my masters. I ain't really messing with this. I ain't really trying to deal with this. So, hey, Joshua, go handle this for me. I got other stuff I want to work on. Right. I, I think so. I'm, I'm with that as well. I don't think he, it, it wasn't something that he put a lot of emphasis on. I think if it, if it had been, I don't know, 1987, 1988, Prince, he probably would have taken the helm 100%. But later on, Prince, you know, towards the last five, 10 years, the last 10 years, he was more reluctant to having other people work on his stuff with him. And maybe he just felt comfortable with this guy and said, OK, I'm cool with you. 
do do your thing with it. I, I trust you. Here you go. I, it's out of my hands. I, I ain't worried about this. And, and he just kind of handed it off. Another thing is like some of the his band former band members like. Uh, Lisa and Wendy, they said that, you know, once he is done with a project, he doesn't like to look back. And he yeah. probably might, he might have found this to be a nuisance. It was just like, OK, I'll give them what they want. Just, you know, just to, sh- to show that I- I'm someone on board, but, but I ain't working on this, you know. And you mentioned how they said that this was an album that uh, was held with reverence. But I mean, as much as we've learned about him, do we really know that he held this album with reverence? That he would have wanted to say, "Yeah, let me get back in the lab and make sure this is done right, so I can give this right to the fans." You know, I don't, I don't know. All right, because by all accounts, by by the uh, the band members who talk about that time frame, it was just another album. They had no idea it was going to blow up the way it did. Um, a lot of what, a lot of this history of the album. Um, is from fan perspective, and a lot of his reverence is from fan perspective. And I think you know he probably just thought, "Hey, this is just another one of my babies." Hey, check this out! I'm working on this thing called Around the World in the Day, and la la la. And you know he just probably had it like that. It's quite possible. We're all speculating. I'm speculating. Right. I would just, uh, I'm just assuming, or I would hope that he knew the cultural relevance of Purple Rain. I would hope, and I'm pretty sure I'm thinking he would, but I'm speculating. Um, the other question, and, and, and we are going to get into the album. We're just throwing this stuff out here. The other question I would have actually was, did this album really even need a remaster? Like me personally, I had no problem with the way Purple nope. Rain sounded. I, I don't think it did either. And I think when we get to the part of talking about the album proper, it's not going to last very long. Yeah. And I, you know. So I, I would question the whole need for the remaster, but I can understand from a marketing standpoint why you want to, Put that wording on there. That's one of those key buzzwords when mm-hmm. you're doing a re-release. You got to say that. So I understood that. All right, let's just jump into this and we'll continue I'm, the conversation. Sorry, through there. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I have a question. You know, please forgive my ignorance. You guys can go ahead and laugh at me. Q, feel free to get your ammunition. Is he here? What is the thing of the re? No, nah, I'm just saying when he hears it. So oh. just giving, giving it out. Stay focused. Too long. Um. <laughs> Remaster. Now, my I guess they're sweetening the sound, but why would from someone like me who I, I hear remaster, I'm like, oh, okay. Why is that such an important thing? Why? What's uh, is it going to really change my listening enjoyment? Like, I keep hearing remaster, remaster, remaster. And I'm like, all right, I know they mess with the sound, but I'm like, why does somebody who might not be as music um, proficient as you know the, the the colleagues on the podcast. Why would someone like me care about that? Well, Ampa, I can tell you one example that I that I listened to recently, and I told uh, Big Sexy about it as well a couple years back. They on the remastering of Kiss's Destroyer album. When I heard that, and I heard I got Destroyer when I was a little tight way back in the late seventies when it first came out, and I, I enjoyed it back then, and uh, I. Knew Knew it in and out. So when I heard the remaster, I was hearing instruments that I had never heard before. Um, it, it's a way to be able to re- remix uh, something to balance things out, to maybe bring forth sounds that that weren't that you couldn't easily bring forward or, or emphasize back before when it was being done, or maybe when everything was said and done, the artist was not one hundred percent 
content with the sound and they were just limited. So you remaster something in order to bring forth these these sounds to, to, to uh, flesh it out a little bit more, as it were, with what's there. Sometimes they even add things to it. Uh, but mostly it's a, to try the idea is to try to get a little bit more, you know, uh, hopefully a brand new sound out of it that that you didn't hear before because of the technology at the time. Uh, good examples is also with some of the Beatles, the remasterings where they were originally in mono and then they redo it and, and it just comes up. It just really fulfills the sound uh, for that. Not that that happened here, but that's one of the main <laughs> reasons why. Okay. Okay. I'll give it a full word answer, Ant. Sign of the times. Ah. That's, that's it. That, that, that's why you do a remaster. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And also, I think a lot of people. I learned this when I was a youngster. You know, hanging out in the um, in Leo's music at the at the recording studio portion. A lot of people. There's a there's a segment of consumers who want the absolute highest fidelity these audiophile cats and they're not limited to classical and back in the day uh, for instance on cbs columbia they would do things in half speed mastered for a better sound and then you come up with 180 gram uh vinyl pressings now as far as i know aside from what's been on hd tracks this is the first time uh, they've done. Any, Warner's has done anything with Prince material to release it in a remastered or or higher fidelity format. So that's a reason right there. Yeah, and you know, I, it, I think all those are definitely valid, true answers. I guess it, when you get into this particular release, the question is, when you go deeper, well, what did you do to remaster it, and what you know. Uh, did it even warrant that? And if it does warrant that, what are the differences and what processes? Now, of course, they're not going to go into that in the liner notes, though I think they should. Uh, oh, but, I agree. I really <laughs> wish they would. <laughs> because I, I want to know, like, you know, there's a there's an interesting post on the org if you go out and look. And maybe I'll screenshot this and put it in the show notes or post it on Facebook or something. But somebody took the audio of Let's Go mm. Crazy yeah. and the audio of... Uh, well, let's go crazy from the original album versus this re- remaster, and they took the wave form so you could see the wave lines and show what it looked like. And if you just look at it, without knowing even too much what you're looking at, you can see that the new one, it just seems that they just turned it, turned the levels all the way up <laughs> so it was louder. Yep. And, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And the original one is just like a regular thing. So that, I, I mean, that technically, I guess, is a remaster. But again, if it's just making something louder, yeah, it fits within the realm of the definition of the word. But again, what process is just a matter of adding some compression and some limiter and different things like that. We all could have done that. You know, we yeah. you can go mm-hmm. get the audio programs to do that. that I think that a lot term. of yeah, as real quick. I think a lot of fans may be thinking like they went in there and actually like remixed the tracks and loaded them up so that you could hear every little thing better. I highly doubt that they went and remixed that. I'm probably even impossible to do. So that's kind of why well, I the question is. Well, nobody, you know, claimed that it was a remix. You know, just like you said, you know, uh, and I quote remaster, you know, your man who uh, went up on Ableton and, and pulled it up and did all his comparison shopping. <laughs> uh, he does say Sean, Sean, uh, Josh cranked everything up. Maybe, 
Josh did just the opposite. Maybe he took some of the limiting and compression off. Because I think it was Susan who said, either with us or her uh, interview in Canada, that Prince liked to record things hot. So maybe Josh came back in and said, you know what, I'm taking this compression off. Boom. And we get this. And, you know, the theory is less compression equals more dynamics. So maybe that's what they're trying to go for. Well, I, just looking at the waveform, you can see it's a lot brighter, you know, again. But again, I'm not shitting on Joshua. I'm just no, asking no, no. the questions, that's all. Because I would love to have more detail of what it is. And the only reason I want to have more detail, because this stuff means something to me. This is the Prince podcast. We all hardcore fans. So you don't need to use buzzwords with me. As a matter of fact, they don't work. I want to know exactly what you did. I want to who was in there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you had Joshua? Well, why didn't right. you have such and such? Because they the ones was there. Like, it, you know what I mean? So that's why I want just more information. With all that said, let's jump into this real quick here. The music is why we're here. Uh, I, I'm not going to do a, a track for track per se on this first, Mm-mm. on the album, because it's not really necessary. But what I do want to ask you guys what you think of this. Um, I'm going to start with Day Dropping. They drop it. Okay. What are your thoughts on the Purple Rain remaster album? 2015 oh, remaster edition. Album. <laughs> For the remaster album, okay. I um, Well, like most remasters that I've heard, uh, I hear more, more, a little bit more of a balanced sound. The percussion is brought more to the front now. Some of the, the hi-hats are a little bit more, um, and the snare is a little bit more pronounced. But at the same time, there, it seems to me like... Sometimes the guitar, the guitar, a little bit muddled and, and and a little bit reduced, which I think is kind of a blasphemy for any kind of Prince album. When you reduce any kind of guitar, that's just not cool. But uh, overall, I don't think it was a necessary thing to have to do any kind of remastering of this of this album. I never had issue with it. The sound always was always fine with me. Um, but basically, it, good that they did it because. You can repackage it with other stuff, and it's the other stuff that, that I'm really more con- concerned about. This The album itself, I love the album. Great album. It's fun. It's got its moments, and um, it, I can't say that it, I like it anymore now because of this remaster. I, I still like it as much as I ever did. I'm just glad it's out. All right. Sean Hill. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. Um, really, the only flaw, I think, in the whole remastering is... And this is just me. They should have, like, totally taken off Let's Go Crazy and put the remix on there. And just have that be the definitive version uh, rather than the regular. Um, other than that, um, the album's fine. I mean, it, it, it sounds okay to my my ear. I had to listen to it on, like, headphones or a good system, just, just basically in the car and at work. And, you know, it, it. I was like, okay, it sounds good. But, again, I don't really, you know... No, see the need for a you know quote unquote remaster, and like you said, Mike, it's probably just the fact that it's louder. Uh, and that's the that's the only difference. You, you guys remember? Uh, I think it was Q Sound back in the '90s, the early '90s. It was supposed to be this this new revolutionary thing as far as sound goes, and basically everything was just louder. It wasn't it wasn't better. It was just it was just louder. And this is what I feel about the the preparing remaster. It, it's just louder which is good but really no need for it to be remastered uh mr sexy in sack 
But, you know, again, I got to co-sign what else, everyone else is saying. I don't think it was quote-unquote necessary, but if you're going to do the remaster, you put in the extended version of Let's Go Crazy. You put in the extended version of well, something we'll get to in a moment. You put in the uh, extended version of I Would Die For You and just let it run. Or you can go a step further and do the whole film as as it appeared in there and put in the Des Dickerson track. Put in the Jungle Love track. Put in the Bird. You know, and just let that play out and then see what happens. But again, you know, it's like Ant said, you know, maybe Prince was like, you know, let me just get this thing out. Josh, go ahead and handle that, man. You know, I'm cool. So I, I can see that. And again, and maybe if you add to it, there's always going to be a group of people that say, well, I wanted the original thing and, and this isn't it and blah, 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 blah. So it, it's kind of a no win either way you go. Now, Ampu, I'm going to alter the question a little bit for you. I also want you to, I want to ask you this. If you had to give, like, it was somebody that was a friend of yours, not a super fan, but they just wanted Purple Rain. They don't need all the other stuff. Would you just say, hey, just go get, you could be just as happy just listening to the original one, or would you tell them to go shell out the extra bucks if all they wanted to hear was just the Purple Rain album to, to buy this? Wow. Um, yeah, I would tell them to go ahead and get the original. Um, there's not enough uh, differences acoustically, and I don't know if it's acoustically, I guess it's right. Making up words. From the, <laughs> acoustically is a word, damn it. Um, from this and the original. Um, to me, I was disappointed with Take Me With You because I, I just listened on the original. There's so many varied instruments in there, and I thought that they would make it pop more with the remastering. No. Sadly, Computer Blue, I, I with that opening where you hear that beat, that boom, 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 it's more fuller. But for the most part, I, I don't hear much of a difference from the originals and this one. So, yeah, I said, go pick up the, if you can go get it off of iTunes or go get the original, which you should, go get the original CD and have it for your collection. Get that instead because um, I'm really not noticing the differences, especially on songs where I think that uh, another one, the beautiful ones, that's another song that I thought that might have a more fuller sound to it with this remaster. I don't notice the difference. And I'm listening to it near loud on my headphones and I can't really tell the difference. Now, maybe I don't need to, I mean, I need to play it through a system as opposed to my computer, but I'm thinking, hey, with technology, I should be able to hear it uh, regardless of where I, the playback is from. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I, you know, I, I sort of share the same sentiments as you and what everybody else was saying. Now, to me, uh, Purple Rain is a perfect album. Like, I think it's one of his best it was one of the albums that helped get me into this thing and, and you know it holds a place as it should in pop culture and music culture and, and just around the world but I never thought that it would need a remaster and so if someone was to tell me that they were going to remaster it or something like that I'm expecting oh this is going to be something special because why would you even tell me you're remastering it when it I don't think anyone ever complained about it the original one. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that said, it falls short of having the title remastered. Uh, doesn't need it. Uh, it doesn't enhance it any more than I, it already is to me. Uh, to me, I would agree with Big Sexy. If you're going to 
release this album like this and, and I don't want to jump the gun but I would say you would sort of uh, maybe have a different version or different take on the album so nothing that would take away from the original one but here's a different sort of take on the album and maybe you interject some of the other musical cues from the movie uh, some of the other songs that weren't released from the movie or maybe the time and Apollonia stuff Mm-hmm. That sort of thing uh, to me would be like, okay, here is the ultimate edition of the album. Not too different from when you see movies, for better or for worse. You know, here is the special edition of Star Wars, right? You may have problems with what they do in it, but at least it's more stuff added where you could tell the difference between the two. Um, that's what I was, I, I would kind of expect something like that. So mm-hmm. on, so on the, just on the terms of the album itself and it being any different, I personally don't think there's much of a difference that it would matter to me. Now, the argument could be, well, you know, listen on the right system. Listen, they don't have directions on the, the CD or the, this is only to be sold to listen to this. No, they selling it to listen to for consumers as we come to the table. So it should sound... A real great mixed album is going to sound great across the board. It's supposed to be mixed for all different platforms that, that your consumers right. are listening to. So this is not a failure at mixing. It's just that ain't nothing new to me. So uh, And, you know, Mike, I, I remember when we were talking about this, when it first was mentioned a couple of years back, and we were talking about it, and we did a podcast on it, and what we would like to see on that. The emphasis really wasn't on the original album. We kind of said that as an afterthought, really. We were, we were saying, oh, okay, so we'll do the original album, and then we're going to do this, right. and, I, and then we elaborated on the other stuff. Because it wasn't that kind of important, because it stands on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, the album is perfectly fine. Like, um, like, like it was said, you know, Sign of the Times, that's a different thing right there. Exactly. And that's a discussion for another day, but that is definitely something that people can get behind. And, be, and you know, people, if they ever decide to do it, please do it. If, if they ever decide to do it, um, people are going to be hyped for the original album to sound better. Uh, but on this one here, wh- why would you want it to sound better when it already sounded good? So I understand what you're saying. Very definitely. Yeah. That, that, and it makes sense if it was at the 30th anniversary and you could use all that to market it. But when you strip all that away from it and you're just putting it out, unfortunately, because he's not here anymore. This whole tag of the remaster doesn't even that doesn't mean nothing. I mean, uh, okay, it, it, yeah, it really doesn't. <laughs> All right, and again, I'm not shitting on this album. One of his greatest albums ever. So keep keep, keep keep it there. What I want to jump into really, and I think we're, we're going to have in depth discussion is disc two. Now, disc two. Here we go. It's a whole <laughs> other album. This this is what that we is all another been, album. yeah. This is what we've been wanting, and we finally have gotten this. Um, so let's just jump in right off the top. Disc two, the first track is the Dance Electric. I'm going to keep my comments on this short because I'll let you guys have more space. I'll just say this: we've always heard heard this song many times before. Andre Simone is dope. Um, there's been the bootleg versions of Prince stuff out there, and those have been cool too. But this version right here, monster like. I've heard this song so many times, I cannot stop playing this now. 
bang. Like this, I'm not saying remastered, but I've only heard Andre's official version and then some of the bootleg stuff. And those, I guess there's probably different versions of the song within that realm. But this right here, the way that this is mixed or whatever, and you can hear his voice and different stuff, badass. Like, God, this is dope as fuck to me. Uh, toward My favorite parts are like toward the last parts of it. He starts doing some like this kind of chicken scratch rhythm guitar stuff. Bang. This is that Prince, for me, honestly, if, if I could, if I just trapped him, if I could just trap him, in a time stasis, I'll keep him in this for a little longer because that's that. To me, it's that traditional Minneapolis funk. But this is on some like future world funk, Mad Max type shit. I be th- ah man, this is this is brilliant to me. That's all I want to say. Uh, I'm gonna go to day dropping, man. What did you think of the dance electric? Well, this is different than what we've heard. This particular release, I mean, I don't remember hearing this type of a release. Not, and I'm talking about clarity, but just the way it uh, it's put together. So I was very happy to hear this. Um, it, this is one of them great tracks with those unending driving beats that just gets you and don't let go. Um, and I can really appreciate this track more now than ever because I can finally really have a good understanding of the lyrics. I can hear them clearly. And uh, it's got that definitive ending to it that I've never heard before. Uh, um, however, I do prefer there being more guitar, like in other previous boots that I've heard. But the guitar is pronounced on this. It's cool. Um, and so that's, you know, I'm sure the other guys will be going, chiming in on other stuff here. But I'm going to start. Let's give my scores here on this. This two deserves the scores. Disc one, we know where we stand. Disc two, for the first track here, this is a solid 7 out of 10 for me. Damn. Seven, huh? Seven. <laughs> my, my love. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, big sexy man. You know, I remember when this came out back in '85. You know, I was, you know, under Andre Simone, obviously, and I remember hearing it. I'm like, that sounds awfully familiar. And then when I heard shall we say, the pre-release version of this, and we'll leave it at that, I thought, okay, you know, Prince did, did everything, and I just came in and sang over the guide vocal. And now hearing it in its full-on intensity and intended version, you know, I don't know about the relationship that Prince Andre had. Clearly, they were close friends. But he gave that guy a hit. He didn't give him some bullshit. He gave him a smoking hit. And I would be surprised if this wasn't his bestseller. You know, this is a great song, and it shows what type of friend he is. He's like, look, I'm going to give this to my partner. And he did. And the song itself, I could just hear this being done in concert. He's done a few times, you know, here and there. It, it, I'm going to go ahead and say it. He should have kept it. He should have kept it like he did Kiss and put his little thing on it and get that Warner's Electra or Warner's uh, marketing behind it, this would have been another massive hit for him. This could have gone all kinds of places. It is a great song. Hopefully now in hindsight it will get the play that it deserves. All right. In, in an alternate world, I could have seen this been like a whole album, The Dance Electric. and you know, It could have been a yep. the whole theme. You know what I'm saying? Like It just has that sort of apocalyptic sort of 
Prince outlook on it. Uh, yep. Sean Hill. All right. Uh, I'm probably going to catch a few flames for this one, but uh, oh, I'm going to... I'm gonna say it anyway. No, I, I I like the song, but I have been I've been listening to Andre's version and and the former bootleg version of this for so long. I was a bit underwhelmed by this one, and 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 it's not not in any way saying that it's bad. It's just it, it, it's just better as far as the sound goes, but it, it's still the same song. I personally. I think it goes on a little too long now i know we're going to talk about a song two songs from now that some people say goes on too long but uh other than that it, you know it's it's a it's it's good but it, again it just i don't know it, it just doesn't do it for me and for this to open uh this the cd i think was a mistake also another song should have opened it the, again the third track should have opened the, the uh, set but so that's kind of my thoughts on that all right, Aunt Pooh. Aunt Pooh, are you there? Daddy dearest. Sorry. My computer froze a tad bit when I was unmuting. Um, I, w- I have to disagree with Sean um, in the fact that he said that this shouldn't have opened this too. I think it really sets the tone for this album of unreleased tracks. I mean, maybe Computer Blue would have been a better choice. That's but my choice. Not to open it. No, I disagree. I disagree that. as well. Because no. we already know that. And I'm just saying, well, we know Dance Electric too. Good counterpoint. Well, yeah, but, but, <laughs> but Computer Blue is a part of Purple Rain, so it would be, we've just heard that already, right? You want well, to start a new album with something different. But go ahead. This is Ampu's shot. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that it really gives a really energetic and cool vibe to the album. I mean, it's kind of infectious in that it does make you want to get off your ass and dance. I'm not going to lie. And it's, uh, it's a song that, since it's long enough, you really get to take time to enjoy it and prepare yourself for the songs that come next. I will say, once again... Our boy Prince was ahead of his time. As this, to me, I feel it's like just listening to it. I don't know if around 8045 House had already started to emerge, but to me, this music is just makes me remind of House and EDM. This would have been huge in the late 90s and the mid 2000s with those type of uh, songs that were getting pushed out there. And it's amazing. I've heard Dodger Simone and some of the boots, but I never really appreciated it. What they did here that, you know, makes it ride out for about 11 minutes. I, I'm actually find myself like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling this joint now. Uh, Prince's vocals are on point, and it's a win for me. All right, there you go. Dance Electric. Moving on to the next one now. The next song is a new song, uh, at least it was for me, uh, Love and Sex. And all I would say with this is when it comes on, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm going to steal something from uh, they dropping. It was it, I was like, oh, this is that. Was it silly ass Prince <laughs> yep. for, for a second? Prince. I was like, oh, but the more I listen to it, I'm like, this song is incredible to me. <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. it sounds like just you know, over time, it sounds like, oh, he's just using the same old sounds and stuff that I understand from this era but once you get into the vocal performance 
and just the background stuff, the vocals and the and the the sha la la la. I was like, this is that Prince shit. Like I'm like, I could see this have been something I would have been bumping. Uh, it's mm-hmm. something I'm bumping now, and I'm just like, again, it uh, it makes me marvel that uh, there's so much into this song. It's just incredible that this song and even others would not be released because this sounds like such a full on production. Like it was so much work done into this. I could, you know, this like, wow, this is, it's a shame that this never was placed on an album. Um, you can hear bits and pieces. You can hear a few little things of this song and some other things that he's done, uh, which is interesting, but I love and sex. I thank you. I, I can say, oh, this is, it's thank you. This is a new old song that sounds is authentic. It's from that period, and I actually really like it. I find myself singing this crazy shit. <laughs> um, we'll go with Big Sexy first. Sorry about that. You know, I love it's like you said, Mike. You can hear other bits or pieces of other songs in this. You know, I forget or I heard it, but the, the way the song opens up. He goes, <laughs> and that's and the band just kicks in. I've heard that. I've heard that live before. I can't place where I've heard it, but I've heard it. Is it like- sexual suicide? No. I guess when I've heard that, it's one of the. I, I remember on the Crystal Ball, the the release '98 one. I, I feel like I've heard that uh, uh, part somewhere. No, no, no. I see what you're talking about, but that's not what I'm thinking about. It's from a live and show from that era. It's live, yeah, it is from a live <laughs> show. Uh, I like the way the song, especially in the percussion and the, and the drums and, and electric bass, they just roll, roll through it. And I don't want to say dated because that make, gives it a negative connotation, but you can hear the way the drums sound. And this is right in that vintage. So, and for a lot of people like, like us who have been privy, shall we say, to a lot of things not released before. I've never heard this. And then and hearing it in its completed version makes it even better. I like it. I wouldn't go as far as silly ass Prince, but I do like this one. I do like this one. This is a good song. A good little placeholder until, you know, the explosion that comes next. <laughs> All right. Uh day drop. All right, so per Prince Vault, this was recorded two days before When Doves Cry back in 84. So you know the creative juices were just flowing like crazy. He was just doing all kinds of crazy stuff then. This is a funky grower is what this is. This is one of those songs that, that it's just funky. It's going to grow on you. It's, it's going to be one of those songs that you may not think much of it at first. In fact, you might even skip it, which would be a mistake. But it's going to grow on you over a while. And uh, it, if ever you needed proof, that Prince was the time. It's a song like this. I could hear, I could see the time singing the song, but it's got the Prince vibe to it, so that it ain't quite the time. But man, this is like this is the return of Rude Boy right here, and this is what you want to hear. And the, the the chorus, man, that's an amazing chorus. This, you know what's a shame on this song is that this song should have been played live. I could just imagine. I could just imagine the kind of shit that he would have gone on if he'd have played this one live and if, if he'd have been taking it to 10 minutes plus, you know, it would have blown things up. It, it's it's a fun, messy song. 
because it, it's all over the place. But I like it. I like that it's all over the place. It's controlled chaos. And it's funky controlled chaos. And it was definitely, it was a mistake that this was not released back then. Um, and I love that, that those layered falsetto sound, uh, that he does in, in it towards the end. where you, I thought it was Wendy and Lisa singing in the background. But that's him. That's all Prince right there. You know, um, because I, I, I think the song should be longer because it deserves to be longer. Um, I got to demote at one point and it will be a definite nine out of 10. And it would not surprise me if that score is a grower as well. Wow. All right. And Pooh. Well, y'all later. When I saw that, when I saw that sha la la boom, I'm like, what the hell is Mike on? (laughs) (laughs) I I had to think about that one too for a moment. Yeah. I was like, like, this cat Mike is on some other shit. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, do we need to call in uh call 911 to make sure our boy ain't fucking because uh I forgot what song that reminded me of that was I was like, I was going to ask you about, but then when I went to the song, not that it was a housequake, it was it wasn't a Prince song, but then when I got to Love and, uh, Love and Sex, I was like, oh, okay, now I got to rewind it and start from the beginning because now I can appreciate it because my mind was blown. So I'm like, that's what the fuck Mike was talking about? Um, to me, this song should have been on Around the World of the Day. That feel, it feels like it would have been perfect there, and I think it would have... El- I like Around the World of the Day, but I think this song would have elevated it. I love how it has that fun, psychedelic vibe yeah. to it. And I just think that I can see why it didn't go on Purple Rain because it didn't. Fit. it's a great track that we're discovering now, but it definitely didn't fit Purple Rain at all. And I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm playing it over just to really see if I'm like, okay, do I really like it or am I just in my feelings? And so right now I'm, I'm in the middle of that. But it's definitely a track that damn, damn sure would have elevated. Like uh, I think, like Mark said, would have been a great live track, and it definitely would have been even better on Around the World of the Day. I'll tell you what, this would have been a badass B side to take me with you. Yeah, really? Okay. Woo, I can yeah, see oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I don't know, but you know. It definitely was. It's definitely worth the B side. I think it would, it would have been a good B side for one of the round of the day. I just think it's perfect for a round of the day. The, the the image and the sound that he put out on that album, this fits right up in there. That's why I'm shocked when you said that this was. You said it was recorded two days before, uh, after When Doves Cry. Two days before When Doves Cry. Yeah. That just. I mean, goddamn. How how the fuck do you just be able to have that many varying type of music? Because your name has to be Prince to begin with. And, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm telling you. Sean Hill, are you back with us? Yeah, I'm back. Uh, This this one kind of falls into great B-side material. Not not good enough for the album, but still good enough to be released. Um, It's it's, it's definitely fun. I mean, this is probably one of the ones that I've, I've played the most since I got this set probably because it's new and uh but still it's uh it's it's just absolutely rocking i could just play this all day uh i agree it, it probably should have maybe made an appearance on the purple rain tour you know during maybe during baby i'm a star maybe or something like that but but yeah it's a great track all right next up is computer blue 
the hallway speech version. And this bad boy clocks in in about 12 minutes and 18 seconds. Now, someone from our real long time listeners who listen to like High Heel Boots <coughs> podcast, we've talked about longer versions of this song and really pushed like this song is, is incredible. So here's my quick take, and I'm gonna I want to let people speak on this, but I would say this. This is a song that really, if I feel that this should have been on Purple Rain proper, the album, in this form. And I say that because when you hear this, you really understand that the original, the released version, and I think somebody said this earlier, was so neutered, and I would mm-hmm. dare say watered down. And I think when you listen to this, you get the magnitude that Prince and I'm, I'm saying this, was a motherfucking guitar god, funk master. Because mm-hmm. this song, man, in its completed form is fucking ridiculous. It's brilliant. And I had no idea back then that this shit was like this. I mean, the only inclination I have was there's the live version during the Purple Rain tour. They play some of this parts in the performance which if you have the DVD, you will see. But to know that the actual song had all this shit in it, <clears throat> bananas. I also would say it should have been on the album, and this would have been a dope, it could be long, it would have been a dope-ass centerpiece to have in the, out, in the movie performed yep. in this capacity too. Because to me, it goes beyond them being great pop songs and it goes into the territory where they be, you know, cats, they be like, oh, you didn't hear Pink Floyd this or blah, blah, blah. No, this is the shit right here. This was that <laughs> new shit. This was that, you know what I'm saying? There was a brother where I was doing it, and he was from Minneapolis. And you could see his skill set at this point was off the charts. I argue, and this last thing, I would argue this song, this version, and the version of Let's Go Crazy, that's the you know, the long version or whatever, both of those showcase, in my opinion, how masterful Prince was in mixing his funk R&B shit with his rock shit. And it still was dope. It still was fun. You know what I mean? It did not lose its soul. It still had the shit that was so unique to him that nobody else could fucking do. Cause these, this track, these two tracks could nobody else do this. Nobody. Mm-mm. And still ain't never done it on this level where it's dope. Like, this is, I would consider, this could be, this is some rock hybrid dance, you know, bass, funk, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And now that you can hear it crystal clear and then synth bass and all that, it's out of the fucking ballpark, man. Uh, we'll switch it up and go, I want to go to Sean Hills. I know he really be feeling this song. Sean, man, what, what you think? Man, uh, this song for me is worth the price of the collection alone. I could, I have played this song on this disc more times. Probably, I probably listened to it fifteen times yesterday, at least. Um, it is just that good. The single version, dead to me. It no longer exists. This, this will be forever computer blue to me. I don't even want to mess with the short version anymore. Um, it is, it is, it is, it is just that good it is so just 
powerful. I mean, from uh, the, um, you know, wave your hands in the air, that part, which is in the live part, and the the speech about the hallway, and, and then the fade out with the, you know, screaming and the yelping and, and all of that. It, it's just, it's, it's Prince at his mad geniusness. And I would dare say... It is probably this version is the best song on the entire project, in, in my opinion. Not, not the again, not the short version, um, but the long version. It just, it just seems like, and it seems like he could have gone on longer with this song. It, it just, it doesn't bore me. I know. I think it was cute. It was saying that it kind of has the same repetitive beat, but I disagree. But it, it just. It, it doesn't bore me. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get stale. Um, yeah, I mean, I could could go on but it's just it is just a bona fide classic and all i gotta say is damn you take me with you <laughs> which is a good song <laughs> which is a good song but he had to make room for for uh, for that song to to get on there so i had to edit uh, this one down and, and that's a shame but but now we have it now it's in its glory it's here and like i said short version and eh, you're dead to me all right. Yeah, last thing I'll just add this to this, this song also. If this song had it came out like this, when I heard the first time I heard Crystal Ball, and I was like blown away, like I was like, man, how does this cat? This song oh, goes yeah. from all these different levels. I would have understood that he already was doing that. He did that long, but we just so this again is another one of the examples of his greatness, and this is probably was his choice. I just I want to understand. I want to know why <laughs> it wouldn't have put the even if it was on a twelve inch. This one make this just doesn't make sense to me because it's brilliant. It's fucking yeah. brilliant, and it's that long a- form sweet type shit that you if you just look from like nineteen ninety nine the previous album and you listen to it, you can hear like oh this nigga advanced to such a high level mm-hmm. and you can you can hear it all right here. It's like damn. This is what, if you took Little Red Corvette and all that and you mixed it and you advanced the, the skill set, you come up with this. And it's just like, God damn, man. This, he would have been on some, uh, I just feel if he would have came out with this and the cat, everyone would have heard this, you wouldn't be shocked that he was the guitar dude or he's, you know, you would understand. Yo, he's, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Period. You can't, no one can front on this. Yeah. One, one more thing. This this song is like it's the forgotten song of the album. Like a lot of times, I think this is the one that that people forget about. People know Darla Nikki and Doves and I Would Die for You and Take Me With You and blah blah. But this is the one that that doesn't get a lot of play, in my opinion. And hopefully, I, I mean, I'm probably not going to release or anything like that. But hopefully, people will discover this song and it'll get more love because it definitely it definitely deserves it. Yeah, you know, uh, I understand they got to have the pelvic pelvic thrust for darling Nikki in the movie. That, that may play more, but man, this was this was a monster. Uh, big sexy inside, Zach. All right. <laughs> First, Q don't know shit. Let me get that out of the way. Now, uh, something you said, Mike. Wow. What? This is a Prince podcast. They don't even know what they're talking about. But go ahead. Um, he don't know shit. Um, something you said, Mike, really, really brought it way into focus for me. You mentioned this could have been one of those, you know, Pink Floyd type songs. I thought about that. You know, I think 
along the lines of like a like uh, the Wall or something the Who used to do, mm-hmm. or or Zeppelin. When you have a song with a lot of different moving elements in it, this could have been that type of FM song, and this should have been done in the format. Um, I was playing it a moment ago, and when I heard when I heard it for the first time, and I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, okay. First couple minutes, well, I've heard this. This, this is nothing special. <laughs> and then they get to that guitar portion, and I did not know it was a dual lead. You know, the first one comes in, and Ernie will, 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 will get this. It's almost like what Kiss did in Detroit Rock City on the solos. You oh, lay yes. down the one, and then you lay down the one a little higher on top of it. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, he's doing this. Okay. <laughs> and then the song goes off into another movement here, another movement there. And it's relentless. It doesn't stop. I was thinking maybe they didn't put it in the album in this final configuration, or in, in this configuration, because they didn't want to do a double record set. But I thought, wait a minute, 1999 was a two-record set. Damn that. They should have done it all like this. They should have just bit the bullet. Now, maybe Warners gave them some, some brushback. I don't know. But Purple Rain should have been a dual album. This should be on in this form. Let's Go Crazy should be on in that form. Oh, this is a missed opportunity because this one in this form would have brought a lot more listeners to it. And like Mike said, it would have brought more of that rock vibe in, just like when when Michael Jackson did Beat It. You know, having Eddie Van Halen on there brought in a whole gang of new listeners. This would have done the same thing. Uh, the version on the album and the finished version, God... Compared to this, come on, man. I don't know who signed off on that. I understand back in the day you had time limitations on vinyl, but damn, you could they could have done something about this. They, they should have just ate the bullet, done, a, done, done the double album, and been done with it. But he did 1999. I don't care. Yeah, this should have been on there. And I think that's why, because 1999 was a previous double album, so to have them back to back would have been a little taxing to the, you know, to this 13 year old. So you were, you're a bit older, so you you know you you probably balling back then. But that's, you would have got it. <laughs> you you, you would have got it somehow. You know it, I know it. You would have got well, it. Of course, I would have gotten it, but you know, but I I could understand them not not wanting to do double back to back double albums though. Well, they. Do- do I like it? No, but I understand. <laughs> All right. Uh, Deja? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. To, to borrow from our fearless leader, this one, straight fire. Straight fire. Amen. It's a head buster. <laughs> For sure. All right. Day dropping. Listen. Uh, don't come in here with no sevens. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Let, let me loose, Mike. Let me loose. <laughs> I've been waiting years for this one. Go ahead. Let me loose. Okay. At least what probably since this podcast began, I've been waiting to talk about this version of this song. So here we go. This is the unneutered version. And give me some minutes here because I'm going to go deep on this one. All right. Go ahead, bro. All right. Go ahead. Let's go. All right. Take this, your time, brother. With, this is the best release of this song. <laughs> the best release of this. Um, this is required listening mm. if you're into Prince. You must listen to the song. If you want to do yourself a service, listen to the song on a good system or with good headphones because it requires it. Right, this, this passes the car test, this one here. Um, man, where do I start with this thing? I, I, like Sean said, this 
replaces Computer Blue from the original album as it because it should have had it. Um, it's funny you guys have both so far mentioned uh, Pink Floyd. I have that in my notes here. There is a song that I liken this to in the way it's put together and its usage. In The Wall, in the album The Wall, there's a track called The Trial. This is The Trial, but for Purple Rain. Now, why is that? That's why I start going deep on this. In The Wall, for those who know Pink Floyd, listen in, those Pink Floyd. The Wall, in The Wall, it's basically a storytelling of, of the fictional character, Pink Floyd, and all, all the walls, all the bricks in his life that are building this wall that isolates him from society, from the world. The songs in that album paint these different uh, bricks. And uh, in, in the track of The Trial, all these different bricks come back to light and they, they're, he's basically on trial and, and you got these different personas coming in and different things coming in to break him down and give you a, 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 a view of, it, of this guy's of Pink Floyd's psyche. That's what this is doing. That's what Computer Blue is. The computer is the kid. Prince, the kid, however you want to we'll call it, kid. This song is breaking down his psyche. It's very important because of that. It's an extremely missed opportunity that wasn't used in the movie, that it wasn't presented in this full form until now. Because you have the computer, who is basically misogynist, who is um, somebody who, who treats women like objects. And the song says it. And you get a breakdown of the psyche as well, because he's, he's looking into himself in the song and he's getting himself broken down his psyche is breaking down and um we're, we're taking on that trip that journey that's something that would have been so amazing to have seen in the movie if you would have seen him play out this whole thing so then you could see man this is one fucked up dude and now we know why and and, and it's very introspective of of the kid character um you know this song it goes on and on and on, but in a good way. I listen to this, and I've heard this song so many times. Um, I always get something different from it. And that's the mark of an awesome, perfect, excellent song. This, this song is just it's beautiful. I remember hearing this song, and, and okay, like Sean said, um, this was a song that I would pass up on the album proper because it was more like a setup for Darling Nikki. It was too short. I didn't really care about it. Yeah, I had some cool little bit of guitar, and if that's about it, that's all I really listened to is a little guitar part with the father song part. Uh, and it would move on to Darling Nikki, and I was happy with that song. I first heard this bootleg years ago, but it was so muddled back then. Yes. That it was so low generation back then that that um, there was no way I could appreciate it. I couldn't hear it. I remember hearing it the first time uh, on a boot, and I thought, oh, that's cool. The, the guitar part that I like is a little bit longer in this one. That's all I thought about it. As time went on, we got newer generations of, of the recordings. We were able to appreciate it more, and it culminates with this one here. Man, there is so much going on in this song. And it, it is a missed opportunity that it didn't get released properly, and it wasn't in the movie that way. Because this is breaking down Prince, or the kid. It's breaking him down as to what his mindset is at that time. Um, now, going on a technical aspect on this, there is there is two gripes that I have with this. Uh -oh. One of them, one of them, and when you guys when I point this out, you guys are gonna hear it, and you're never gonna be able to unhear it. At the three minute and thirty three second mark, one of the goods boom, 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 boom. One of those parts is cut off on the right channel. 
And it's not supposed to be that way. It's not that way on any other version that I ever heard of it. It's not that way on... And throughout the rest of the song, it plays fine. But on that one, that little bit, it jarred me when I heard it. Damn it, Josh. Because I'm into... Yeah, because I'm so into this song, man. Is that? And there's one other minor gripe for it. On the long, long version, I'm talking the 14-minute version, you get that part where he goes into all this ugly, crazy guitar distortion that fades in and out. In and out. I was hoping that would be here. Again. You talk about, you talk about at the end, right? At the very end, where it just goes in and out, and it's like, holy shit, what's going on here? Why is that important? Because at the end, again, it goes back to how this song is breaking the kid down. At the end, he's vulnerable at the end of this song. He is broken down. The computer is on the verge of a breakdown. And the computer breaks down at the end of this song. And you hear that breakdown with that feedback going in and out, in and out. He's a broken individual at that point. We don't get that here. I really wish that was there. And I get, you know, you can always edit it in. But I, I was really hoping to hear that. Because this this song is so deep, it requires every bit of it that's on there. Man, Prince was a genius. When you hear the EP on this, or like the EP version of this, where you hear all the different uh, takes on it, when you hear it like a chronological of it, how it's being made, and you're like, holy shit, this dude had this planned out from the beginning. He, and you hear all this instrumental, and you're like, oh, that's cool, instrumental parts. And then you hear the hallway speech going into it and everything, and man, this guy... Ooh, he was <laughs> he was a computer man. He was he was something else. Prince was something that fuck. <laughs> he was something else. So because of that, let's get now. Let's get down to the nitty gritty on this. Um, I, other than that little that the little tiny perfection and a little bit on there, it is a perfect track. And because of that, and that's not the track's fault. Because if I hear the whole thing, it, it's it's solid. Otherwise. It's a nine point nine 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 out of ten. I mean, this is. Oh, man, just man. give it a ten, man. Come. <laughs> you know what? Come on, Ernie. Go ahead, Ernie. Ernie. Okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. It's a ten. Yes. That felt good. Man, I've been waiting to say all that for years. I love it. You need to take him back now. You all right, Ernie? You okay? I'm good now. All right. Need a cigarette? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. (laughs) All right. Well, well well-deserved. Mr. Ant Poop. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet because you guys have dissected this and uh, deconstructed it uh, far better than I can even attempt to. Uh, I guess I just give you the story of my history with this song. Only thing I remember, remember, I was seven when Purple Rain came out. I was eight when I finally saw it. So I'm sitting there asking mommy, what is that girl doing at Prince? Hey, now. <laughs> well, I think I think oh, was that Ernie that somebody we no, established no, what that no, was. Oh, Sean, what what was remember she doing, I, Sean? Remember, uh, uh, she was uh, she was checking his guitar to make sure it was okay, <laughs> according, to, <laughs> according to Palmer. That's that's what Palmer thinks, and that's I'm gonna that's leave that to her to the day she dies. <laughs> <laughs> And again, at the time, the only other thing I remember was, what is that girl doing? Why why is, why is Prince playing the guitar on her mouth? And then at the end, we go, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I was just like, okay, that was some bullshit. Now, as I got older, I became a, a Prince fan. 
I got to be able to appreciate the nuances of the song, how it changed from one to the other to the to the end. Then seeing the Syracuse show where he added the parts that was left out of the release version, then finding the bootlegs of it, which it added something extra to it, especially since we saw that breakdown with Fink and uh, Brown Mark and um, Bobby. Bobby Z. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, I was like, oh, okay, I see where things are things going. And, you know, this, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember that hallway speech being in any of the boots. Is that correct? No, it's in one boot. It's in, it's in a boot, yeah. Uh, well, I guess I, I, I haven't had the luxury of getting that boot there because that was the first time I heard it. And that's why everybody said, oh, we got the hallway speech version. I'm like, what the fuck is the hallway speech version? <laughs> oh, you know what? I say, I, to that, I say, lucky you then. You get to hear it. First yeah. time like this, good. Because yeah, yeah. I was just sitting there, like I'm like the hallway in the movie, like what the fuck is everybody talking about this hallway speech? <laughs> and, and then when I heard it, I was like, oh. And now, now I'm thinking about hearing the Purple Rain concert, and it's talking about poor, lonely computer, the lust, and all that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so that's what the fuck he's talking about in the concert. Thank you for explaining that, Prince. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So I mean that's that's all I can add. It's it's a it's a near perfect song. I'm because I'm, only reason I'm saying near perfect because there's probably some songs that I like better. For me, it's a little bit too long. No. I like. Keep it. Keep it. Now and, and I'm and believe me, I am not the attention deficit disorder one because I love the full <laughs> crystal ball. I love the full nine minute purple rain, so it's not a case of oh my attention span. I'm just, I'm just saying when you're used to the, what the three and a, three and a half minute version of in the film, you lose to the seven minute version, which to me that's enough for me. I would lie. <laughs> so, oh, man, oh. Man, you're killing me. But I'm the, doing the Billy head shake right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, twelve minutes. I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna be like, yeah, you know, you give me some new stuff, but I kind of like the tightness of that seven minute version. But it's still great. It's still like you, like Mike was saying. I, I never looked at it that rock and funk hybrid, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to look, go listen to this a couple more times to to really say to to be able to say like, God damn, Prince was that motherfucker. Yeah. It's so good. You're gonna to learn to love that 12 minute version. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. And, and like, good. and like Mike always said, he was all one on that one. For, again, for all the songs that he recorded for Purple Rain, <laughs> this is the one where I could say, "Dude was on fire. Dude was just on mm-hmm. fire." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, man. Computer, computer blue boy. Uh, that's it. it that's it, it right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, it's not it. Uh, all right. So next up is Electric Intercourse. And this is, you know, from a fan's perspective, this is a song. This is a song that the girls. No, this is a song that a lot of people have been a fan of. And we've only heard live takes of this song. We've never heard the studio version before. And hey, Mike. Yes, sir. I'm sorry to interrupt, but apparently someone has found a tweet from Joshua. Uh oh. Okay. This is from back in uh, January 24, 2017. Remastering this with Prince was an amazing experience. We look forward to this release. Thanks to the estate and WBR. I hope you all enjoy. So there you go. All right. All right. Uh, Breaking news. (laughs) Breaking news. 
All right, so uh, what were you talking about? Electric intercourse. So we've, we've only heard the live version. So here is the studio version, and I'll give my quick take on this. Shame on me for judging this song against that live version that I've heard for many years. Because like a lot of Prince songs, the live versions tend to be better of his songs. And this is of no uh, exception. Um, After further listening to the studio version and giving it his chance, here's the only takeaway I'll take away from it. It's a great song to begin with. Because the studio version, I mean, the, 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 the live version couldn't be great if the original song isn't a great song unto itself. But I think what the recorded version, the studio version, which I somewhat am a little like, eh, is Prince on his vocal performance. He goes, he's on full, uh, what did I say, you know, oh, girl, you know, that whole kind of... <laughs> There's just a little yeah. too much of that kind of stuff in it. And when you hear the, you hear the live version, it's sung just like a little more straight or without all of that. You know? And, and oh, I'm just... I'm, I'm no, I mean, you, no, you, yep, hit, yep. you hit the You're nail right. on the head. And I think that's the, the key no shame, to, huh? That's the key to it. It's like, it's just a little too much of that dainty, dainty stuff on the, the recorded version. Dainty. <laughs> I wasn't going to say moist, but it's a oh, little. Just I, did. Mike, I, I said I was. But, yeah. But, but, but aside from that, though, and there are a few little flourishes in the music, but don't get me wrong. It's a great song. I can see why it was pulled off of the release or if it was, you know, not say it was pulled off, it wasn't included. But there's no denying that when you hear the live version of it, effing fantastic. But again, I would equate that to the had more time to really know the song and, and pull out the real elements of the song that would make it great. So I'm not mad at this. I'm happy that we actually get to hear this studio version and to me it's a song that will grow on me more uh and when i listen to it it fits within the time frame again you can to me i hear a little bit more of the 1999 connections too right like some some of the sounds but i'm not mad at this um so that's my quick take i'm gonna go to we'll go to ampu first yeah i i kind of had a faux pas when i i proclaimed that one of the two versions that we uh, had heard were both st- was a studio version and not realizing that one was a rehearsal and one was the actual live show. Um, Prince killed this show, this song live. It's just, I'm like, I've, I've played it on a couple of my, yeah, the wife ain't here so I can say that. I've played it a couple of times <laughs> for some, uh, uh, let's say some hookups and I've played it for a couple of, uh, Pre-marriage. some of my, cl- let's just make sure we throw that out there. Cause you, you sounding crazy right now. You looking to get chilled, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you can throw that out. I ain't throwing it out. <laughs> Whoa. Exclusive. Exclusive. That was quick. You're just digging, oh, the, just digging the grave for yourself, but go ahead. 
Whoa. You know, I played it for a couple of uh, some of my colleagues at work that were like, hey, give me a Prince song that I know you, you got you got your computer in. I know you got a good Prince song that I ain't heard that'd be dope. I'm like, yeah, I got one, but I don't know if you want to be able to listen to that one at work because, you know, you're going to get up and it's going to be some problems. You know, that's how moist you're going to get and all that. Uh, you know? Wait, 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 and, wait, wait, wait. I got to stop you right there. I got to stop you right <laughs> what, what, what did you just say? <laughs> I told her if you listen to this electric intercourse, you gonna have some. You gonna have a problem in your drawers. Oh, yeah, her, her, right? Yeah, her. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. I got thrown for a loop. Yeah. Oh, my bad. My, yeah. Now, I know it's Pride Week and everything, but I just wanted to be, oh, be sure no, if, if, we was, if, if you was being prideful. That's all. Whatever, dude. <laughs> but, but yeah. Listening to wow. this, I like Mike. I'm glad he didn't release it because what we heard at the first ass show to me is still the definitive version of this song. And I like the different how different the song is and how um, the original has a, a full different take. Is I'm, I'm I'm for a live and a studio version. Like you giving me something new, giving me something different that I can listen to and enjoy as opposed to like with some of the songs he does, like, okay, I feel for the live version because I know he takes it to another level and does something different here. Or it's now I just want to hear the studio version, the, that original sound and just appreciate that. And electric intercourse is definitely different, but damn, I wish I ne- I wish he never had done that live performance because I just really can't appreciate it. Because the um, this one, as Ernie would say, is kind of silly prints. It's meant to be a day dropping song, but <laughs> when you listen to it, it's kind of like, man, what the fuck is he? How is he singing this shit? Is, is he doing some opera bullshit with his voice? Like, what's going on here? And I know based on that live performance, he can... Like you said, you feel that shit. The women feel that. And unfortunately, yeah, as much as it's good to hear this, I wish it wasn't on this album. Mm. You, you know, you just made me think of something. And I, this is interesting to me. It's interesting. We'll see. This song actually should have been on the album. And I say that the same way that uh, Baby, I'm a Star, uh, you know, I Would Die For You, yeah, and Purple Rain are on the album, right? That live right. version should have been Tweet on up. the album just like those other live versions were. Because then this song would have been an instant, it would have been a Prince classic. Like, you, mm-hmm. you would have been sick. We would be, we would actually be sitting here like, nah, I don't want to hear about Electric Intercourse. Like, like Prince fans would be saying, I don't want to really talk about Purple Rain and all that. I'm tired of it. You, you would be tired of it, right? Because it's just, it'd be a classic. Which here's another missed opportunity that, they should have had on this release and I don't think we ever heard what is the actual real studio versions actually I have heard Baby on Star but we need to hear their studio versions of you know I Would Die For You Baby I'm A Star and Purple Rain you see what I'm saying like We've heard. Listen, we, let's go. We have this. The, those versions that we have on the albums are live performances. But I'd be curious to hear what those original versions sounded like versus what we know. In the same way that we look at Electric Intercourse, it's just that in, in Electric Intercourse's situation, we never had heard their studio version. We only heard the live, and it was never re- officially released. But now I'm just curious. Mm. 
this set would be incomplete to not have heard those versions as well. well it wasn't Let's Go Crazy uh, recorded live too? No. No, it wasn't as... It was, well, in terms of live performance in a show, no, but it was recorded live in a, you know, in a rehearsal space, but not not in the way you're thinking. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, you know, we we all kind of know the the backstory of this song, and you know, beautiful ones replaced it, and blah blah. blah. Um, you know, I I really feel that the right decision definitely was made. Even even hearing the the live version, I, I think the beautiful ones just just you know, it's a better song. It's a better performance. It's it's everything about it's better. Um, in in the studio version of Electric Intercourse, it just it seems to me that this is a demo. It seems like it's not it's not finished. It's not what Prince would have done or would have put out. It seems like it, it it needs more work. Those vocals, at least to me, it seems like they're like a first take. You know, it seems like they're a first a first go at it. And, and maybe he was going to go back and and redo it and rework it and whatnot. And just then the beautiful ones came about and just said, okay, well forget that track. That that's just what it seems to me. Um, you know, I am glad that this this version exists, um, so you know we can have it for comparison's sake. But like I think, like Mike and like the others, I think the live version to me is is the definitive version uh, of the song. You know, even though the quality isn't that great, it's it's still a better rendition of the song, and, and it probably could stand to be released on its own. And again, having said that, though, I, I'm still glad that that this version does exist. No. That's Joshua on the phone. <laughs> I don't need to talk shit. Day dropping. Okay, yeah, um, like everybody else, I didn't know that this track existed. In fact, uh, I remember reading or you know something to the effect that that um, even Wendy and Lisa had said that they weren't aware of there being any kind of. Uh, uh, studio version of that song as well so it was it was a an interesting welcome uh surprise for this one and it is drastically different um you know i like it to uh the differences in the studio versions versus live versions of songs like uh days of wild uh the studio version is very doesn't have as much kinetic energy as the live versions do and but more specifically and for po- folks that know about boots and all um a song like if i had a harem uh, versus blues and sea, very different. Same, same, same type of same lyrics, but very different the way they're presented. Studio versus live, and uh, the tone and vibe are completely changed when it goes live. However, you know, unlike those, like those two examples, uh, there is a distinct charm that is equally effective uh, with the studio version because it's more personal. And this is not. not it doesn't jive this way with me, um, but I could see you know live. The live version, he's singing to an audience. But in studio, he's singing only to the female listener. Um, you know, I like both versions. But I'm more partial, partial to the live version. I think the, that the melody of the chorus is much better sung there. Uh, in general, I, I like the way he sings the song better there. Um, I mean, there's some sexiness for, for the ladies, for sure. Uh, but because it's, it's, it's a new song for me, it's, it's unexpected to have heard this. This, it's interesting enough for me to score this one a 7 out of 10. And I can see where the ladies would really dig it. All right. You know, it, it's just funny because we talk about the comparisons between live and uh, released. I felt the same way 
about the song Cream. You know, um, if you remember back in the day, he performed that song on Arsenio before it was released. The album that came out. And I remember, like, I was like, damn, this song Cream is, this is the shit. Like, I had taped it off, put it on the cassette tape, and I was just bad. I was like, I can't wait for this album to come out because this is going to be the first one I go to. And I went to that, and I was like, you know, it starts out, and um, the beat's slower. It doesn't have the guitar. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, I don't even like this. It took me a while to get into it. But again, it's the same way. It's like he's had more time to massage the song and, it, and it add more, you know, add some other shit to it than when they just kind of recorded it in one and done and it done. And that's Prince's style, though. He can, he can take those songs and blow them out of the ballpark live. So this is no exception. Uh, mm-hmm. Big Sexy. You know, <clears throat> listening to and Mike, you really did, done it again. Uh, when you compare the First Avenue live versions, where a lot of the things were recorded for the album, to the studio version, his voice and the delivery. Again, I'm not trying to rip off your move here, Mike, but it's just too much of that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, yep, yep. You did and that really the, good there, sir. Shut up. <laughs> in the live version, you know, he's sitting at the Yamaha piano. It's a deeper register, and it's more matter-of-fact. And I think a lot of that has to do with the dynamics of playing in front of a live audience. Uh, I also believe that, you know, as we all know, those songs were released or recorded, and then doctor a little bit for the album but the basic tracks are, are right here and again I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back in time again the same thing should have happened with Jungle Love there is a version of mm-hmm. that running around mm-hmm. from First Avenue yeah. which is what they used in the movie and when I saw that in the movie I'm like oh damn I gotta have this and when Ice Cream Castles came out I'm like what the fuck is this what is this here you know I did like Mike did I had the movie version on a cassette and I'm doing my thing all over the city. Uh, um, someone mentioned, actually mentioned more than once, this concert needs to be out. Now I'm glad they released Syracuse 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This should be out because if anything, this is the genesis and the true roots of the Purple Rain Project. Right. This yeah, needs I to would, be out. I would agree. I would take uh this show over Syracuse, at least as presented, because well, maybe we'll get into it. The DVD sucks big time. Oh, but. Okay. Well, I, I think, too, just to throw in as a side note, I want to say they were intending to put that on here. I could swear there's a clip of yeah, this show online where it looks like they've sweetened it up a little bit, but I think this may be one of the shows they're trying to market to, like, Netflix or something to get them to, to show. Damn, hmm. not put it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead, Big Uh, You know, again, you know, the sequence or the location of this one, to me, again, the performance is like a demo. It's like, again, it's like another placeholder. They could have put the live album or live version on there, and it would have been a little better. But this is, it's good, not great. I'm not a skipper. I'm not going to get into all that. But compared to what we just came off of and what we're about to go into, I can see it easily being bypassed. Agree. Yeah, I like this version because of the live version. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Next up is I'm, I'm sorry. We went through everybody, right? Everybody got a chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up mm-hmm. is uh, our destiny rain. Or excuse me, Roadhouse Guard. Um. I, well, let me say quickly. Uh, I I love these tracks. Uh, we've had these for a while. Um, I do understand, uh, and I acknowledge the edit on these between the two tracks a little funny, but I'm glad that this was released so that we could hear them in the best possible quality. I would almost wonder if this is any different than what's sort of been circulating, but uh, I, I I enjoy these tracks. Here's the same. I, I throw this out here as well, though. For me personally, I far prefer Prince's version of Our Destiny. That is from the uh, birthday show. I think it was in '83. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Blew it out. Like that was the first time I heard the song, and I was like, "Whoa, what the hell is this?" I wish there was a studio version with his voice on it. But uh, I do enjoy this. This song is, is interesting to me on a lot of levels because of the strings and everything. And then, and I don't have the liner notes in front of me. But was this like the first Claire Fisher thing? Or I don't know if he even did this. Like, Let me look. Uh, this extensive string work from very early on in Prince's, you know. Well, uh, the, the strings at the, at the very beginning are from the latter. Um well, I mean, but the it, thing uh, is, was this done before the latter? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, no. yeah. yeah. Wasn't um, I'm going to butcher the name here? Wasn't Novi Novak doing strings before uh, or Claire Fisher? You know, you might I be believe right. so. You might Novi Novak right. did them for for and I, Rain. And I'm sorry, I cannot read this, so I'm of no help. <laughs> he said, "You can't read." <laughs> no, it, it's so uh, it's just so small print. I uh, have a lot of light over here. Gotcha, but yeah, I mean, just the complexity of the strings and all that. I'm like, wow, who's really on some other shit? Even back then, and it's just a marvel that this type of work existed in this time frame. You know, it's just like God. It's just a marvel to see how complex and how varied his style was at this time uh so i endure i adore these tracks i do understand there's also some controversy on the proper crediting of people singing on this you know shout out to jill jones uh she released her version of this song the other day as well uh so that's out there um so uh, with that said i i do enjoy these i i i i kind of skipped them because they're so played to me at this point but i do love them uh big sexy and sack you know, I had heard for years about the rumor and the specter of, oh, man, you got to get Roadhouse Garden. Roadhouse Garden, oh, man. Uh, someone turned me on to a video of a rehearsal where they do it, but that sound isn't the greatest. And then I come across the birthday show, and I see that Roadhouse Garden is on it, as is our destiny. I'm like, okay, what's up? And love them both. Like, Unlike Mike in this one, I prefer the birthday show versions to the studio versions. You know, I don't know whose voice that is. I Is it Lisa on, on, on this one? Yeah, yeah it's, it's Lisa. Lisa. It's Lisa? And again, to me, and I'm not ripping Lisa by any stretch, I, I think she's great, but I think her vocal is more like a guide vocal for what Prince did. Now, I haven't heard Jill's version yet, but to me, the standout one is that birthday show on both of these songs. And I like... 
the Roadhouse Garden version on the birthday show simply, and I know I'm going to get static, so this is to be expected. I like it because the background vocals are a little bit higher in frequency. You know, on the studio, Roadhouse. No. On the birthday one, Roadhouse Garden. I'm like, all right, go ahead, girl. Do what you do. You know, I like that. It's a lot more, for lack of a better phrase, without changing the tempo, it's upbeat. And now, I don't want to go back too far on that. On this one, I'm glad they are here. I like the little segue that leads one into the other. I thought that was, you know, nicely done. Because these songs are really identified as being together, almost to the point of Computer Blue and Darling Nikki. I mean, they're just, you see one, you see the other. Now, of course, Computer Blue has grown into a whole force unto itself now. But these two are good being tied together, and I'm glad they're included on this. Nice. You you mentioned Roadhouse Garden, and something I came across a couple days ago, and hopefully I have him on the show. His name is Shane T. Keller. Uh, Apparently he's an engineer uh, at Paisley Park. And he posted on his Facebook page a couple of days ago, he made a slight mention that one of the projects he worked on was Roadhouse Garden. Putting that together uh, must have been in the 90s or something. And uh, somebody asked him about that in the questions. And he's like, it's not for me to say what was on that. But he said, you know, obviously there's a story behind that. So there is some sort of release that was either planned or is done for that album. I'd be dying to hear what that is. I want to make sure I threw that in there. Um, Sean Hill. Um, I'm kind of hit and miss on, on these two tracks. I, I, and I didn't know and I wasn't aware that the latter uh, strings were at the beginning of it. That was kind of cool. Um, but, you know, I think this song or these two songs probably shouldn't be on this project because I think it's it's more either around the world in a dayish or or its own separate you know project so I'm, I'm not really I'm not really too too hip on this one uh, I've, I've listened to it a couple of times and my reaction just been eh. I mean again it's it's good to have and it's good to have a good quality uh, but it's it's kind of a skipper for me all right, Sean. Hey. Excuse me, Aunt really? Blue. It's kind of strange that uh, I, I made the comment earlier that love and sex would fit around the world of the day, and now I'm about to completely uh, contradict myself and say that I kind of like this song at its as Purple Rain, the masterpiece that it is, with the Minneapolis sound, with the rock uh, sound that he has on there. That having this our Destiny Roadhouse. Which could be, which is to me, is the total antithesis of most of the tracks that are released on not only Purple Rain but on the Vault. It's kind of like, okay, we're showing you something else that he was working on. We're showing you a different side of Prince, and it's just kind of, it's just a weird, um, I guess, tangent or turn going left type song that you know, it's like when it just comes on, and for me. I haven't really listened to the live versions of this. I hadn't heard uh, any boots of this prior. So me hearing it now on this track, I'm like, oh, this is something totally fucking different. I don't see how it would have fit in the Purple Rain. But I kind of like that they put it on there because, you know, it's showing you how diverse Prince can be, even in his own era, even with his own albums. Um, Lisa's vocals. 
yeah, I'm not really feeling that, you know, as uh, in the in the to paraphrase the great O'Shea Jackson, stick to piano. I'll do the <laughs> Well, dude, you, you, if you ain't heard, uh, what is it, Place in Heaven? That that one's even worse. So, <laughs> wow, come on, I should say, come on, bro. I, was, <laughs> I should say, stick to the keys. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a really well done track. Um, it's it's kind of nice to to have a revolution song where Prince isn't, and I know I'm probably gonna get ether for this. Prince isn't at the forefront leading the song. No, it's not mad. I'm not mad yeah. at that. Because there's another song on no. here that, that that he doesn't really lead. I was gonna say because people say, well, you know, Prince did everything on the song, and I'm like, well, I mean, as I was front singing it. Where where you know, just looking it up, the song on Prince Vault, it talks about the string section was done the same time around the same time as the pop life string section which was being recorded uh then you know mentions that it was being reused for the latter but it's interesting that these songs were done uh well before purple rain came out so uh they do fit in that time period of what he was recording as opposed to when we heard them and it's kind of interesting that those strings are one's a fast song One's a slow song, and they both and they work for both. is It's very interesting for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, day dropping. Yeah, uh, individually they're they're great songs. I like that we have clear copies now, and you can hear the instrumentation really well on these, especially with uh, Roadhouse Garden. But and I have to mention that the unfortunate thing here is that the editing is horrible from one track to the other. Um, now you guys mentioned the uh, Jill Jones version. I've heard it. Uh, if you, if for, for people out there listening to this, if you're able to hear that version, you can hear where Roadhouse Garden actually should start on that. Um, it's at the very end of the fade out because there's a there's a, a a kick drum going on, right? And it actually matches up with the beat uh, into into Roadhouse Garden. So there's really no reason why it shouldn't have been put in better the way it was. It's it's equivalent to the way. It tra- the song transitions from new position over to I Wonder You with that beat, and one carries over. That's how this one carries over here. That's how it's supposed to carry over. So it really bothers me that they didn't weren't able to get that together that way. Uh, there's just no reason for that jarring cut, the way it's presented. Um, I think they were trying to go for the uh, I Don't Want to Leave You style edit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it, 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 well, you know, it's meant to be like a, like a suite the song and right, it kind of right. takes away from that and and it's unfortunate so for me i, I mean i don't have too much more to say about it. you guys have pretty much covered it pretty good it drops for me from an eight to a seven because of that ugly edit and so uh, as presented here it's a seven out of ten had the edit been done correctly it would have been an eight out of ten because it's a whimsical song beautiful song yeah i would have preferred prince singing uh our destiny on it but um i mean i'm, I'm okay with with her singing it i kind of i like the way joe jones sings hers too it's pretty cool you guys get a chance to hear it all right, there we go. Next up is Possess. Oh, man. Uh, listen, <clears throat> years and years of listening to that Syracuse, or watching that Syracuse concert, and that's one of the highlights of that concert to me is when they do this song. Yes. So when I first heard of the studio version of this, actually, it's funny, I think I may have heard the instrumental of this first. Yes, you did. Okay. That would have been it. And then hearing the vocals. This, as is on this album, 
I love this. To, to be able to hear it all put together properly and sounds, it sounds great. Uh, for me, it just so much reminds me of 1999, though, which is just, I don't know, my own little ears or something. But I think this is great. Uh, I've surprisingly, I thought I was going to skip this. But I find myself going back and playing this over and over. It just keeps growing on me. And the little parts that I sort of remember from the Syracuse, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's just here. But this is the studio version, and it still works. Um, it's a different energy than live would be. But, man, it's just an awesome song. It's this crazy song to me. So I love Possessed. Stamp of approval. Uh, I'll go to Sean Hill. All right, am I the only one that hears Morris Day talking to Apollonia when this song plays? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I it, I was I was thrown aback by this because I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be the instrumental version which we we've all heard. So to hear vocals on a song that I already know, I kind of like the instrumental version better. I I, I don't really care for for his vocals on this, um, I, I and, and and maybe it's just because I've I've the instrumental is just ingrained in my head so much that I can almost hear it without hearing him sing on it. Um, I prefer the earlier version of Possessed uh, than this, and I then I ultimately preferred the live Syracuse version to all of them because that's just that's just too funky. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't really have a lot to say about this one. This is this is another one that I'll put in the good to have category, good to have in crystal clear quality, that kind of thing. But I will probably still listen to the uh, 82, 83 version over this, although the 82 and 83 is not in good quality. Um, I would probably listen to that. Again, it's, and it's good to have it in great quality, but just it just missed the mark for me. All right, big sexy insect. You know, I'm I'm the same mindset. I hear this song in this configuration, I immediately see Morris and Apollonia. You know, you hear this song in the movie <clears throat> because I was one of those people when this movie came out. I was like Rocky Horror on this thing. I knew every line of dialogue, and so I remember hearing this movie, this song, a lot underneath it. And then when I heard it. In the Syracuse show, again, I'm going to get heat for this. <clears throat> I thought it was a James Brown song. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, in the live version, as we all know, Eric Leeds is in it and just tearing it up. I'm like, okay, you got a little JP happening. All right, cool, cool. Well, you know, he dedicates this song to James Brown mm-hmm. on, the, on the, okay. the credits to that. See, that's why I thought it was a JB song. I didn't know. And. Now that that's out there in official form on the DVD, which should have been a Blu-ray, but that's neither here nor there, I've heard the instrumental, I've heard this one, this version, and again, I'm going to borrow from Mike again, the the lyrics are too, or the vocals are too... <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Whereas in Syracuse, it's like, what's up? You know, don't know what I'm gonna do. He's getting it on in, in Syracuse. Here he's a little timid and, you know, he just needs that live reaction, that energy to bring it out of him. So this version, glad it's on here, but... Yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, day dropping. 
Well, I'm going to go a little bit different angle on this for me. This is very nostalgic for me. Um, and so I'm getting on this one. On a, I'm on my big time nostalgia goggles on with this. This is totally 80s to the max. And I love it. Um, like you guys only ever heard the instrumental of this particular track before. Uh, and, I, and I actually never thought that lyrics would fit in the song like it does. Because, uh, it, 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 you know, it carries a basic sound to how the how uh, you know the the lyrical one that we've heard before how how it sounds so it sounds like that but it always sounded it only had some distinct streamlined sleek sound you know like a freshly washed car all shiny everything that's how this one always sounded <laughs> to me yeah and um it was very interesting though so with the addition of the lyrics the song for me goes up a few notches um as an instrumental i it was cool to listen to but to me, the instrumental kind of got boring because it just went on and on and on. See, it didn't seem to go anywhere. Again, the genius of Prince. You put the lyrics on there like, oh, that's how the, these lyrics are going to fit on this song. Now, that, that makes sense. Uh, it's fleshed out. I'm okay with it now. So, you know, with the lyrics added, it's, like I said, a much more fleshed out. It works better. I believe it should have been included as well in the soundtrack proper, the way it's presented here. Um, because it's heard in the movie. And it's, it's such a, at a, such a pivotal part of the movie. Uh, it stands out to the point where it's it's credited in the in the closing credits, so you know you you gotta hear it and it's gotta be put out there. But they didn't do it. Little missed opportunity. Believe it or not, I really dig this. On uh, my nostalgia goggles are are thick on this one. Wow! Uh, and I like this one. This one is a ten out of ten for me. Believe it. Ten or not. out of whoa whoa ten out of ten. You I gave, love this track. You gave, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Flag on the play. Come on, Ernie. Hold up, hold up. You gave Computer Blue a less rating than this? Oh no, Computer Blue got a got a revised rating. We we you, checked the we watched the replay on that and we decided that <laughs> But the fact that it had to get a revised rating is probably Wow. wow. <laughs> you gave Dance Electric a seven. Yeah, because and you, you get the you know, studio what? version of this of Ten? But you know why I did the Dance Electric Seven though? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna refer back to Sean on that one because I'm so used to hearing that one as it is. When I heard it here, I didn't think much of it. This is different. You guys, nobody here has heard this version here. Mike, uh, for me, it's to, uh, I think we need to reconsider guidelines for membership at this point. Wow. <laughs> hey, I respect this call. I don't. You don't have to agree with it, but you know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Ernie. That's Dave. I stashed it and alone at the top. Damn, there that's you fine. go. You stand alone. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Ernie's on his Bill Maher. No, that's a joke. when this comes out, you're going to edit that part. <laughs> well, you got to get it, let it go out first. <laughs> oh yeah, then yeah I apologize. Yeah. Right. Edit the following day. <laughs> it's your apology. I'm sorry I gave this is like <laughs> 10. All right. Uh man, Aunt Pooh. Um I like the song. Uh, it's not it's not as I didn't have a much reverence for uh what it was during the Syracuse show because it was on the back end of that killer irresistible bitch and I definitely remember it like everybody else having the nostalgias so to speak, from it being heard in Purple Rain. But, you know, based on what I'm, I'm hearing, I, I guess because I'm a child of the 80s, I'm used to these, to, and I'm no disrespect to Prince, I'm used to these corny-sounding, synth-heavy beats. So when I heard it, it just took me all the way back to Revenge of the Ninja, 
breaking two, all <laughs> commando. Cause oh, they wow. all kind of had wow. that same thing. So just, he yeah. said, "Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds." <laughs> oh, I know. Said, because, no, because Revenge of the Ninja. Well, the Ninja. Ninja. Okay. Because okay. they, they all those action films kind of had those synth type uh, instrumentals in their in their movies. So when I'm hearing this, I'm looking like, oh, okay, I know what. Is doing it. Yeah, he he probably got to watching Arnold in Commando. Or, well, wow. I mean, Commando, Terminator. I don't know one of those movies. No. And said, "Oh, I could I could make a song out of that shit." And wow. believe it or not, he actually did. Hey, hey, it's better than the, the rumor <laughs> where he made a song out of La 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 He He He. I mean, come on. So yeah, I'm wow. feeling this song. It's it's you know. This full version, I don't think it needs to be seven minutes and fifty six seconds. But I mean, like, yo, it, which one of us is Prince? Who, who you gonna tell that fool how long he should make a song? But I, I'm feeling this song. Well, you know, the original, the vocal version is that long, about that long too. So I think that's just this song is just long for some reason. Yeah, I don't, it didn't need to be. He could have just got in, got out, called it. We just, we disagree. All righty, but that's possessed. All right, next up is Wonderful Ass. And short and sweet for me. Uh, It was a head buster when I first heard it. It's a head buster today. I'm glad that it's available in this crystal clear. Uh, This song to me should have come out in some capacity back then. To me, this is a this is one of those Prince no brainers like. If if you heard this, oh, that's some Prince shit. That's the shit that for a lot of, to me, older heads would be top of mind to think, oh, that's his style. Yeah, this, oh, that's just, this is banging. What is, you know, this would have been a, a if this would have been a 12 inch, it would have been worn out. Well, that's all I got to say about it. Uh, we'll go to big section. Oh, let me go. Let me go. Oh, let me go next. You got it. You got I, it. I got to redeem myself. <laughs> I got to. Re- <laughs> you got it. <laughs> okay. So. Wonderful ass. Awesome song. Great song. Like you said, it was awesome back then. The different versions of different lengths. Perfect. Works for me. Uh, the guitar is much more pronounced in this version, as is the percussion and the synth. And who doesn't love that? I mean, there's, it's a great version where you can really appreciate the instrumentation. And that, for me, that, that's key. It's so clear. You can hear the echo at the end, at the very end on the fade out. And never heard that before. That's that's how clear this version is, which is awesome. Um, this needed to be released like this, and I'm glad it was. You know, and especially knowing the story behind the song and the influence on you guys know the story right? Where, why the song was written? For uh, uh, Susanna, wasn't it? Yeah. What's that? For Susanna, right? Well, for Susanna and for Wendy. Yeah. Wendy, Wendy was uh, talking. No, this, this was this was. Uh, based off of uh, hindsight by by Prince for Susanna as well as Lisa for Wendy, saying, "Hey, they got they got wonderful ass, so we wrote a song about it." So that's where the this song came about. Um, and knowing the story behind the song for me makes it just a little bit more cool. You know, there's some movies like like Godfather, Godfather Part Two, Casino, and there's a few others where no matter where that where they're on, I'm gonna watch that movie from that point to the end. Drive my wife crazy with those type of movies, you know, because it, it could be two minutes left of casino. I'm gonna watch it. It could be two hours left of casino. I'm gonna watch the whole thing. This is one. Of, this is equivalent to that. No matter where I'm at on this song, I'm gonna hear the whole thing out. It's it's that kind of a song. Um, I have to listen to the entire thing regardless of where I start the track. 
this is classic stuff, classic prints, classic vibe. Uh, and it will still to this day get all folks on the floor because it's funky like that. This is a 10 out of 10. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's about bloody time. <laughs> all right. Uh, big sexy. You know, this is one of those songs that, you know, a lot of us have heard before. I was not aware of the vintage. I thought this was later than the Purple Rain years. I thought this was more around the parade years, but I could, you know, what, whatever. I think it's great. I'm glad it's here in crystal clear official capacity. And again, it shows a lot of the, the casual fan who only know Purple Rain and maybe 1999 just what else they have been missing. So when they hear us talk or see us out in the public or people, you know, who are as knowledgeable as us, they're like, oh, I don't get it. Now you get it. This is what we're all you know, all about here. You know, so it shows another facet of his creativity. And I think it's great. It shows, you know, he's thinking about Susanna primarily, but, you know, Wendy, were, there were twins and doing a little bit of rump shaking. Hey! So I'm glad he put that on there and I think it fits. It needs to be on here. I'm glad it's included. All right. And Pooh. Okay. I guess I'm going to be that guy. No. I'm going to be that guy. On on this song. If if you had. No, wait, wait, wait. wait, Listen to where I'm going with this. If you had told me that this song was about vanity, I'm like, you know what? Yep. I can hear that. Cat? Yep. Yep. I can hear that. Nona Gay, Robin Powers, hell yeah. Stop it. My turn? My turn? I don't know where you're going yeah. with this. But, uh, mm-hmm. Elephant in the Room. <laughs> telling me this song was about all due respect, Susanna and Wendy Melvoin? I call bullshit. <laughs> I mean, but then again, I ain't never had they ass, so maybe it is. But I'm just like, I don't know about that. But back to the song itself. The song itself. Well, can, I, can I ask is, you a question? You, what your conclude? You, you're base, basing this on what? What are, you, what are you saying? I'm just basing it on what I've seen in the performance, and you know, just based you know me being a black man loving full round plump bubble butt onion apple bottom. <laughs> Only hair can turn this into a racial discussion. Oh, no, you could. No, that, no that, was, does. that was not racial at all because I mean I've seen I mean Jennifer Lopez she ain't black um what's that Mina Severa she ain't black yeah on the you, didn't mention, you, didn't, you didn't mention them in your in your uh, uh analysis of this but go did ahead did Prince smash them I, I, I don't know uh, you never okay, know that's, that's a good point <laughs> I don't but, know. You well, there were no J Los back then, so. I, I but can't. no, but I'm saying is, uh, you know, based on the Prince Harem, so to speak, For you sure. know, I'm like, you know, vanity, known the gay, yeah. But anyway, the song to me feels like, again, it's making me think like, damn, when was he writing all these songs? Because this sounds like it was a, uh, this is a track from the Family album because it just it just seems very thematic with uh, with the uh, as far as the instrumental with a lot of the tracks that are on there, and I'm feeling it's it's kind of like the 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 mother of Scarlet Pussy, just the way. Um, the way he's singing the song and the way the instrumental is going in the background, the beat, and I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling this because I've heard this before. I've heard this type of song before uh, with Scarlet Pussy, and yeah, it's a winner to me. Not a ten, 
but it's definitely a winner. <laughs> you got me over now here. You, now you got this in my it's in my head now. Apple bottom jeans, boots oh, with Lord. the fur. That's you, bro. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> that's, that's you. Boy, whoa, whoa, whoa. You already had that uh, song in your mind in your in your lexicon for that to come up. Oh, oh you you a rock guy? You know the lyrics to that? I saw it in a. Uh, oh God, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> And cracked up. Uh, I was about to say, Big Sexy be spending them late nights up in the strip club. <laughs> I don't want nobody to know about it. I know it's popping off. But I was going to say, uh, and you had me rolling. You sound like Richard Pryor when, when the first time you said, uh, Scott, puss ass. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, all right, wonderful ass. Did we get everybody? No, Sean? No, I didn't. Okay, I didn't sorry, go. Sean. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I, I'm only slight. I'm gonna question the the inclusion of this song on this album because it was recorded after Purple Rain was already released, so it's it's doesn't really fit. But I will say that <clears throat> this song to me is is probably my my second favorite of of all of the new songs. Well, not new, but you know what I mean. Um, it's just so and. And Ernie, I'm surprised you didn't say it. This is silly ass Prince. It All is. Right? You're right. This is some silly ass Prince. I mean, the, the, you don't you don't understand my quirky ways, my crazy logically unit days, my nurse is just a phase. You've got a wonderful ass. I mean, that's just that's just perfect. I mean, he, he you know he's describing the woman, but you know, but then just saying you you got a wonderful ass. I love this song. Um, I love the the kind of Bob Dylan kind of thing in the middle. The you know uh, educate, tolerate, negotiate, communicate that thing, which I don't don't really know what that has to do with the whole song, but I I, I love it. Um, yeah, this this song is definitely it's a ten for me. This is probably again I, I question why it's on here, but I'm glad it's on here and I'm glad it's in good quality. It's just it's just a perfect song, silly ass Prince, silly ass lyrics, but only Prince could do something like this and it work. Uh, going to the Prince Vault, and it's funny you, you bring this up, and it, and I think they talk about the song in a Rolling Stone article or is it Billboard or something. But on here it says this song was initially created back in '83 of January, uh, supposedly inspired by Vanity. Now, Ant, does that make you happy? (laughs) And then, you know, they brought it back out again in 84, 86 with Wendy and Lisa got involved in it. But that's interesting if if the song actually dates back that far back. Because we've always heard that this was um, Dream Factory, you know, material, not not Purple Rain. And actually, I mean, I guess it it was on Roadhouse Garden material. Uh, At least what it says in here. In the, in the booklet says it was recorded September 84 so I mean that, and that's after the album's released so that's why I question it right. being on here but I'm definitely not going to complain because again I absolutely adore this track kind of a side story I used uh, the first uh, minute of this track in a commercial I made when I was in college I, uh, so yeah I definitely love this track yeah, and that's, you know, it sort of brings up another question that I think again is something Jill Jones is bringing up and actually some other people will bring up what your own name, but the the question of the narrative of that booklet uh, in regards to when these songs were created and who was involved in these songs. And again, I don't know where Prince Vault got this information from for this particular song, 
But it does sort of beg the question of how how did they go about finding this information and is it accurate? Because, you know, when you put a release out like this, this is a historical piece as it, you know, when you make it official. And so now people can go back and say, oh, this song originated from this time period when in actuality it may have originated from something far earlier, right? For something totally different. And with Prince, you never know. Or with different people on these songs than you thought. So it's just interesting that, uh, and I think we didn't have this issue earlier because it probably wasn't social media, so you never got to hear from certain people. But now that people are sort of calling, hey, they're pushing back to say, actually, no, this song is this. And I have to give Jill Jones some credit. Like, she's not just barking online. She has some receipts. Like, when somebody dropping, oh, no, here actually, here's a song right here. See, it's hard to <laughs> yeah. argue when they actually you better come, get come with Jill Jones credit. She don't get a little mad. She gets big mad. Well, I'm saying she was able to back <laughs> right, and she, and she backed that up with some with some receipts, right. for actual tracks. So I was going to say you have to sort of wonder what else may be sort of mis misdone because again, for us, we'll take we take this stuff as oh, this is when it was oh, it was for this, and it's important to us because we like to know. Uh, in context where these songs fall because it helps understand the genius of Prince, right? If we knew, like this whole song we're talking about, because we think it's for this period, we, you know, it sounds like it'd have been something else, but then you like, actually, excuse me, it could have been this or whatever. And that's, that type of stuff is important. It is. Uh, it, it fleshes out of the journey. That's Exactly. And this whole release is vault material. So if you don't get it right on this, what's the point of the release? You know what I mean? It's like, you sort of mm-hmm. go against the whole concept of what you're doing. Um, but there you go. Uh, it's a wonderful asset. That, I, I want to hear that loud on a system. I know that song just bangs. Man. Yes, agree. Yep. Um, all right. Up next, Velvet Kitty Cat. Uh, just quickly, I, I like this song. Uh, this is one of those songs that's weird to me because... Regardless of when it was from, per se, I tr- it's this song sounds so unlike anything else in this period mm-hmm. that you could almost put this anywhere and I would believe you. Like, if you say, oh, no, this was from the... Like, oh, okay, I can see that. Uh, to me, it unremarkably doesn't sound like it's from this period. Not to say that it isn't. But it's just... A, it's a, this is like one of those weird Prince songs that it's like, wow, he, this is a whole different style to me. Um, so I enjoy the song. I've heard it ad nausea, or if I'm saying that right. So I kind of will skip it now, but I'm glad that it's out and it's here. You know, one of the rumors was that this song was for Morse. I cannot see Morse Day <laughs> singing that <laughs> song. Nope. I, I, I was a little to, too country for Yeah, Morse I was trying Day. to figure out, like, what, how was this going to be? Was this going to be on some... Uh, after high school type shit? Because that's always like an oddball song to me, like... I just yeah. I just can't see it, but uh, anyway. High school. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, you stupid slob? Anyway, um, <laughs> day drop. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a short one here. Title wise, I was always intrigued by this just from the title alone because I always thought just here having heard the title that it was something that was going to go along the lines of Scarlet Pussy, but um, no, you know, having listened to it. A couple, a few months back, and again now, at best, I think it's okay. I mean, it, it's an it's more an earworm than anything else. 
uh, because it repeats the sound over and over again. And, you know, um, it's not a bad song. It's just sparse enough, you know, um, to say that Prince could pretty much make something like this in his sleep. Um, for me, this is the weak track of all these tracks here. Um, and it's, you know, real simple. Six out of ten. It's it's a nice song. Stick in your head a little bit, but not something I'll really listen to. It's okay. Gotcha. You know what this song would be like to me? This was like, if it was probably given the amount of time, this would have been like Kiss. In, in a sense of the way the original Kiss was given to mm-hmm. uh, Miles Wright. Here, I'm just going to play this little guitar and saying real quick, you do something with this. I could see like somebody taking this and turning it into some whole other shit, you know, because the melody of it, I could see being, you know, like you said, it's very catchy. It's just that there's very minimal music or anything there, but I could see it being this great. If they, somebody just totally reworked the music or something, it would probably have been one of those types of, Oh, this song is genius. And then you know, Prince, <laughs> Prince took it back and was like, I don't know, fuck that. Let me throw my vocal on this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Sean Hill, go ahead. Um, you know, this is you know an, an interesting track. It, although I again question the inclusion on this, <clears throat> this particular project or, or collection of songs, just because it's not really for Purple Rain and I mean it was for Vanity 6 I guess and then for Apollonia 6 but not not really Purple Rain so I kind of question that um, you know it it bounces along for however long it is and you know it's good it, it, again it seems more of a demo to me than an actual uh, constructed song it seems like this. these are just guide vocals for uh, either Apollonia or, or Vanity to uh, sing along to so I'm not really too keen on it but again I am happy that it is included because it's a song that I have not previously heard in the past so any new song by Prince that I hear is, is you know better than anything else but it's it's definitely a skipper for me alright and Poop I would say it's a skipper it's definitely as a Ernie has coined a phrase silly prince and I can definitely see, I can imagine if he had released this in the mid 80s all the, the dumbass dudes he's telling me yeah, I want to get that velvet kitty cat. Yeah, I'm, uh. <laughs> but, but overall, is it is kind of to me. This feels like the uh, Dirty Mind controversy era, where uh, just just the, the beat, that little the real sim- simplicity to it, and he, he does not. The problem I have with the song is I don't feel there's enough depth to it. I mean, we all get what the uh, metaphor is, but. Overall, it's just not enough depth to it. Uh, however, since it is kind of short, it does harken back to some some of the dirty mind and controversy where he throwing one of those like uh, a sister or even recently with Plectrum Election with Mars. We just something out of that kind of seems out of place, but is good uh, worth listening. But right now, I think it's kind of skippable. Right. Yeah, if I could just add a little bit on that, Mike. To me, I was thinking about this. This is like an idea song. Yeah. yeah, I got an idea, and he just did it. And then maybe later on, he'll go back and take that idea and you do something else with it. It seems like an an idea song. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not That's much what to I'm it. saying kind of about with Kiss. You know, just be like, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, big sexy insect. There is a bootleg around from the Orange Bowl 1984. And that bootleg is of the band rehearsing and, you know, pre-show, 
practice and whatnot. There was a portion in that show where they're playing something in this vein. Wendy flubbed it, and he starts picking on her, and she's like, oh, I can't stand this music. That's where I am with this. This has that new wave skinny tie vibe with it. <laughs> I couldn't stand that shit in the 80s, and I'm not a fan of it now. This one, I've heard it once, and that was plenty. Nothing, it's got nothing for me. All right. Forgive me if you uh, forgive me if you said this earlier. Did they give a date for when this was uh, first um, produced? Eighty three is when it was uh, initially recorded. Wow. Well, what does it say? Yeah, this doesn't seem like something he did. What, what what information do they give for this particular track? For instance, in that booklet, or do they even talk about any of these songs? Uh, they don't really talk about it. They just uh, let me get to it here real quick. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they just just produced and arranged by Prince, uh, recorded uh, eighty three. That's it. And it was engineered by so. And same with Katrina. Katrina Paper Dolls is pretty much the same. All right. Well, that brings us to Katrina's Paper Dolls. You know, as I was listening to this song. I could swear that there's an instrumental that is very similar to this music that's been floating around for a very long time. I don't know what they, I can't remember what the title of it always has been, but this sounds like, like almost a variation of that. Obviously you're singing over it. Because when I hear this, I'm like, God, I've heard this before, this bass line and it's just a little different. So it's interesting that there's, I think there's a version of this that had been floating around. We just had no idea that's what, the, what it was. Uh, this song to me is a grower. I'm glad that this has been released because it's something I necessarily haven't really heard before. And I like to hear new old Prince music. <laughs> so I know that I will continue to listen to this. And I like this. It's not one of those immediate first listens. Oh, this is my shit. But... Uh, I I, uh, I appreciate this and I'm going to continue to listen to this because it's something different Uh, so I I do like this song Uh, Day Dropping yeah um, this one uh, it was easy to listen to it's catchy this is another track that whose name I had heard before and wondered how it would sound just because the title sounded so interesting he's got a lot of interesting unheard songs yet titles that that I want to hear because it's off the head alone, this is one of them. Is it groundbreaking? No. Is it super funky? No. Is it interesting and easy on the ears? Eh, most definitely. You know, it's it's cute. It's sweet. It's got some sparse playing piano synth hooks going on. And it, it kind of seems to end just as it's starting to get interesting. And um, that's about it. You know, it's... Again, another I guess six out of ten. Nothing too crazy. It could be it, it, it could be a grower, but right now it just it's there. You know, it's a good song. All right, Aunt Pooh. To me, this is a this is kind of a, a, a this is definitely a skippable song. Um, again, <clears throat> they say it was recorded around the same time as some of the other songs, but. I'm just trying to just trying to get understanding of like what is he doing here 
when he's got these other masterpieces uh, that he was uh, creating around this era, and it just it's, to me, it seemed like it's a song that you know he he might, maybe he was yeah. dreaming when he wrote it. I don't know. And he said, well, let, me just put it down. <laughs> let me just put it down. Maybe I can find this for Apollonia, yeah, the time, uh, the family, or any other any of those other side projects they was working on. See the E, maybe. It just doesn't to me. It just doesn't fit as a Prince track. It's definitely to me. It's a showcase of Prince the producer. Because maybe it could have been a hit for someone else, but for Prince, it just to me, this doesn't fit him at all. Even though he made it. All right, Sean Hill. Um, you can almost carbon copy my review of Velvet Kitty Cat with this. It's the same. Uh, recorded, uh, I guess, eighty three of March while on per- on the nineteen ninety nine tour. So again, I question the inclusion here. Um, it's good to have. Not a fan of it. Skippable. That's it. Big sexy and sack. At the end of the "When Doves Cry" video, when the band is doing that little step, I hear this song and I see that step happening. <laughs> I see this song being given to the Bengals and being made a hit. Okay. You know, it's, it's like Mike said, it's a grower. You put this in Susanna Hoff's hands, it's money. You know, I because it's got the little cutesy vibe to it that doesn't sound right coming from you know a guy, but Susanna could pull that off easily. And again, this is like what could have been. You know, this could have been something else. Now I don't know how long that relationship lasted or whatever happened there. But had he given her this too, they'd have another. Hit. It's good for them. Not a good Prince performance, but it would have been great for them. I could see this on the Apollonia 6 album as well. That kind of, I can see that, actually. Yeah. Oh. I can totally see that. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. With Apollonia's vocals, I can't see it. I'm not thinking vocals. I'm just thinking of the style and all the packaging. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not going to rip on the girl. I'm not saying she's, you know, Anita Baker or anything like that. But I could see her being given something like this in its style. Stylistically, it would fit in that album. All right. All right. Next up, I'm just going to say it right now. It's another head buster. We mm-hmm. can fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to keep my short and sweet, but I'm going to go in. This, we've heard, Prince fans, first of all, you've heard Graffiti Bridgeburn, right? Which is based off of this. Mm-hmm. And some of us have heard the '86, excuse me, when he does it live, headbuster. Can't even talk about with this right here. In the context, to know that it was done back then, and you know how he likes to take old songs and bring them out the vault and put them on later albums and stuff. It's fascinating in that regard for me. But. Looking at this song now as a complete piece that we have here, if this had came out, in my opinion, if this had been like a B-side or another, or let me say this. If it had been a B-side, it had been up there with Erotic City, in my opinion. It's bang. The drumming. It's vocals. It's the class. It's... That's just classic Prince style to me. Like that, his little synth thing, horn stuff. Banging. 
if this is where I get frustrated in a good way because listen around the world in the day it's a dope album I'm not fronting on that but then I know that he had bangers sitting on this shelf <laughs> like this to me I don't understand how you have fire well I can understand it but man just throw that Put that on that out. Did you say it don't fit? So what? Kiss don't fit that other album. All these songs don't fit. They're bangers. It's that classic Prince shit. It's the no-brainer. It's that, when you hear that first single, oh, man, I'm buying that joint. Even if you don't really play none of the rest of the stuff. <laughs> the song that would be remembered, this song would have been, re- this would have been like, nigga, you know, like, ah, oh, this, boom, this would have been the shit. See on vinyl? Bumping? Man, listen. This song, it was it was was as frustrating to me in a good way is that he pulled it for Graffiti Bridge. So there's a the his so there's the sense that he understands like, yo, this song is the shit. Like I got I got heat. Sitting on the shelf, I can. Let me just go pull some heat and put on my new shit. I got. I'm trying to make this movie and doing the time. I ain't got time to be creating no shit. Man, let me just get some fire. I got. But the thing is, you start putting on it, and then I can understand. On paper, it sounds dope. On paper, you say, "Listen, yo, what songs we gonna put on this record, Prince?" Ah, oh, man, shit. Let me get uh, joint repetition. What? Oh, I remember you did that years. Yeah, man, that shit is. Yeah, they ain't they ain't ready. They wasn't ready back then. The niggas ain't ready today. But we're gonna put that on. Okay. Uh, oh, what about Weekend Funk? <laughs> oh man, you, man, I don't even want to put that out because they're not really ready for that, man. They that's some some that's that slop. You know what I mean? That's 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 my shit. That song is called Weekend Funk. I don't even let's change the name and see. I, and this is why I say it feels good on paper. And they said, Nick, let's put George on this bitch. That P Funk. What? You'll be like, <laughs> I mean, just Prince P Funk. We can funk? Ah, oh, man, go in and put them on top of that. They ain't, man, we're going to shut this album down. But see, what you get <laughs> was dope then. Don't get me wrong. But you add all this other shit on top of it. And it starts to dilute and it's overcrowding. And again, Prince to me is really great when you just hear his first versions of the shit was fire when he did it. You know, it was motivated. He was on that shit. It was, oh man, you ain't got touch. Don't touch it. Ah, leave that alone. What you doing? So this is a great example of on paper, you know, say, let's take that and put P Funk on it with George Clinton. Oh man, it's gonna be at the, they're gonna shut the clubs down. But it didn't. Because now, if you'd have said, if it had been back in the '80s when he made this, and they said put some Clinton on that, and the Prince that was already on fire, yeah, it would have probably been ridiculous, even more ridiculous. Like, whoa, wait a minute, can you get Bootsy Boots gonna be on it? Oh, nigga. But it's just, <laughs> it's great to see that original shit when you just finally like go on and put it out. 
And you just like, man, this shit is fire, B. Like, the vocals, the way he's singing it, you can actually really hear it. It all makes sense. The synth, the bass, the drums, and it's not all the other extra percussion. Testing positive, all the funk. Take all, strip all that. Get all that off of there, man. Just put the shit. Mike. Now I'm telling you, just put the shit the way it's supposed to be. This shit is funk to me. I heard this. I've heard this song so many times. I was like, man, this song is butter, kid. You you can't go wrong with this joint, in my opinion. It's banging. You turn it up, them drums. And then when they get to the breakdown part, and my man start doing his talking thing, and it's that Prince kind of mag. Nah, you, you, oh, you, you beautiful, baby. You ain't, you ain't got to improve nothing. Whatever he's saying, I was like, yeah, that's my nigga. That's that's what I remember. I was like, okay. So for me, this is the stand. As much much as Computer Blue is on a whole different animal. But just on a pure funk shit, it's not no hybrid shit. This is this would have been a banger for Prince. Or if he would have had balls and just gonna let Morrison them have it, it would have shut this down. To me, if this had been a twelve Oh show, man. It, it it would have been it'd have been crazy. So I love this song. You know, the and here's a part where it gets uh a little weird because I think though, if my man was still alive though, we'd have never heard this. Yeah. No, you know, we would not have heard we it. Never heard this, and I can understand. I can respect why we would have never heard it. So it's a, it's one of the mixed sort of blessing sort of things. It's like on one hand, this is the shit I've been dying to hear. Shit like this. That's why I, I really appreciate this release. But the other part of it that I know is purely just on the the the, the, the lyric. Excuse me, the lyrics and the context of the song. He didn't believe in this type of shit no more. You know, it's not what he was about. So I just so as a mixed feeling about it, like, yeah, <clears throat> he'd have never co-signed this shit. So it's it's just interesting. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna talk about that later. But anyway, this is my shit. I bumped I bumped this heavy. <laughs> but uh, all right, <laughs> Ampoo, you was huffing and puffing. Go ahead, dude. You my boy, right? I like to even think that we friends, right? There's nothing you can say that can take away from the fact that this is a banger so go ahead (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that we friends but I don't know if I can fuck with you anymore dude I I don't know because the disrespect that you are showing the graffiti bridge song I'm like my dude come on what you doing no no dude don't do that don't there's no disrespect I'm going to play to this song the question that I do have is Listening to this because I've I've heard I think three other boots of this were I've, I've, um, from the '86 to the Graffiti Bridge. I, I've heard three different boots of it in between there, where it looked like he was laying it down with George Clinton. Maybe this was before the '86 live um, studio version that they did. And I'm still trying to figure out like, okay, what? Because now I'm hearing this, and I'm like, goddamn, that's the Graffiti Bridge version. Little some things are taken out. And I'm just asking myself, like, what the hell did George Clinton add to the song then? Other than his name, and I, I can't help me out. What did he add to to the song? I tested positive for the funk, <laughs> which I love. I love that part. I think that was dope. I love the outro of the well, of the even Bridge even back when it first came out. To me, when I listened to it, I I could tell like 
George didn't really do anything on this song. It's really just a Prince song. It was like, I'm a, I need to put your name on something. I'm going to put your name on this uh-huh. and sort of add these little lines that you would probably say. But it, I always thought it was pure Prince to begin with. It sounds like it's uh, me. Just, the George stuff is just clearly like sprinkled on there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, this this track, um, it's too, like, unfortunately, I have to compare it to that studio, that live studio, and the Graffiti Bridge. And for me, I love the Graffiti Bridge version. I absolutely fucking love it. I know people wow. swear by... Don't wow me. Yes. Wow. Say yeah. it. Wow. And I wowed you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know people swear by that 86 with the Miko at the end. But here, both of those versions have an energy to it. Now, I know after the song is pretty much through around the 620 mark, there's that little funk breakdown. Great. But before that, which I think is what we're going to judge this, this this song on, I'm like, it doesn't have that energy. It still is fire. No denying it. And it's amazing to hear like he had all of this in, back in 1984, which I shouldn't be surprised by it. But it's just that since there was this release where it was supposed to be working with George Clinton, I'm thinking like he Clinton gave him something, right? He gave him a little bit. Nah. And to me, that just just makes me think like, God damn, Prince really was that fucking dude. He had, in my opinion, I, I can't fuck with Mike on this. I can't fuck with Sean on this. My opinion, he had, had that banger in 1990 that he just sat in the fucking vault all those years. So it's amazing to see this as a demo. That's what I'm going to call it. It's a, it's a demo. Wow. <laughs> Whatever. Wow, man! Damn, I'm I'm calling it a demo because, to me, the release version has more energy to it. It's more, it's more alive. It's a more, some more fuller sound to it. But this, yeah, this one, I can't, I can't deny it because it's just, it's just amazing to hear everything that he had. I'm like, people was up on a Kama Sutra in 1984. I thought that was like a late '80s thing, and he, he, he had that lineup in there. That whole, um, that whole. Like you were saying, uh, I'm going to call it Dirty Mackin because that's what Prince was good at. He was Dirty Mackin. That whole Dirty Mackin uh, underneath where he's uh, talking about one time, two times, all that. I was like, God damn, this dude was the shit. I, I shouldn't be surprised by that. But when you and I know when you were talking about, you know, you like to hear it, but you know when Prince was alive. But it's great to hear like, God damn, how great this dude was at making songs that he could just sit up in the of all damn near finished damn near could be a hit and yeah this this joint is fly i still love the graffiti bridge version though all right yeah like i said man <laughs> <laughs> i'm just looking at the prince vault he he, he started this song december 31st 1983 apparently finished it the very next day january 1st 1984 wow ahead of his time i need to get like that's yes. what I'm saying. If they would have dropped this joint, as it says, initial tracking, uh, Prince's original version, on the 31st, uh, the day after Erotic City, and she's always in my hair. So he was on one. Wow, he was already there. Yeah, man. he was on one. Imagine if, if they would have dropped this joint. Imagine if all three of those were on an album. Yeah, that's what I said. They would have had, he, he, listen, that's what, imagine if he's just like, you know what, around the world today, 
that's dope. That's in an alternate world. If it, if I was in charge, then he would have blew niggas out. Would have not. We would have not put Rodic City out as a twelve inch. All uh, always in my hair. Pop life. Them songs would have been all on one album. It wouldn't be no question to who was the goddamn king of these streets. <laughs> <laughs> in the time y'all niggas had to sit down <laughs> and how they be bumping Roger and all that they'd have been bumping this nigga shit in all them songs that, that's how I feel like cause they would have just replaced all they boom 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 one two three into the four Snoop Doggy they would have been rapping oh this would have been the sound but that would have been actually they nah they wouldn't that would have been when they cleared it well they would have used it fuck in the alternate world, you're going to let them have it. But anyway, you know, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Sean, you, know, Sean, you go ahead. Anyway, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, it, it's funny because, I mean, December 31st. What, what do you think December 31st? New Year's Eve, right? You're, you're partying, you're popping bubbly. Oh, yeah. He's, he's making funk classics. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's in the lab. He probably was doing the popping bottles and a party at the same time. Could be. Um, okay, so this version is... I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's very similar to the Graffiti Bridge version, and, and I even had to confer with Mike on this one because I was listening to it at work, and you know can't definitely because the song title I couldn't bump it up and couldn't bump it up anyway. But I was hearing, I'm like, this, the vocal sounded so similar to the Graffiti Bridge version. That I was like, hey, is this really? You know, and Mike said, yeah. So, so with that, the, the driving force of this song of this version are the drums. Mm-hmm. The drums are just out of this world, and you know I'm, I'm assuming it's him, and so he was definitely as as we've said before on one on this one. Um, it's it's very similar to the Graffiti Bridge version, so I I'm gonna put this one. I'm gonna put the Graffiti Bridge version last, though. I still like the the '86 version. I, I just like it because it's slower. It's I think it's raw. I think. And, and then with Miko at the end, I just think it's—I I think it's just a better track. But this this version, as it stands here, is definitely outstanding. And even even with the recycled vocals, and you know, he was still able to use them in the '90 version um, just as good. But but yeah, this this song is banging. Uh, this and it's funny because I'm not really a fan of all the the quote-unquote new stuff that we've heard on this one, so I'm more of a fan of the, the older stuff. Um, but this one definitely worth also the price for mission. I'll put this one up with uh, Computer Blue as far as uh, uh, being worth the price for mission. All right. Day dropping. Yeah, let's we'll start with three words to describe this one here. Tour de Force. That's what this song is here. To me, this song replaces pretty much any previously released, either officially or on bootleg. Uh, for me, this is the the version to beat. Um, yeah, we said already it's a basic vocal track that was used in Graffiti Bridge. I was tripping on that too for a bit. Um, for me, this song really finds its trippy stride. And you guys mentioned it at the six thirty mark when he starts speaking to his Mac and on, reminiscing on, you know, it's very reminiscent of what he would do on songs like uh, "If I Was Your Girl." later on um i mean this song at that point it goes on a side on a side trip to venus and it returns back to earth at the nine minute mark and just smacks some sense back into you then i mean this song this song is proof that less polishing is more because it keeps things dirty you don't polish it it stays dirty 
and this song stays dirty. When this song is stripped down, it's undressed, and there's tracks like this, they're just funky as fuck. If the, um, put it this way, if, if the Graffiti Bridge version is that super hot freak dancing on a speaker in that seductive little black dress, then this version is that same girl dancing with only a see-through thong. That's what this version oh, is, man. Shit. I mean, this one is the, this is the most non-traditional day dropping track. Because unlike any of those other day dropping tracks in that group, it's not a slow ballad. It's not anywhere close to it. But, oh man, they dropping with this one. Oh, yes, they are. And there's, and let's get this straight. There is nothing sexy about this song. Unlike a track like Electric Intercourse, oh, this one's all dirty all the time. It's dirty as fuck. And it works. For me, score on this one, this one gets the spinal tap 11 out of 10. Wow. (laughs) Damn. This, wow. Have you ever done an 11 before? Wow. This is one other time. I don't remember which song it was. Wow. One other time. But this is an 11 out of 10. This is, I I had heard on um, previews on this that this was a track. I go, okay. And then when I heard it, Oh yeah, this is a track. <laughs> on this, this is, yep, there's some stuff. Yeah, I, w- I was jokingly saying on Facebook like, you got this song now. I just need to see the the barnyard sequence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what was going on in that bad boy? Yeah, I, I love how you you uh, said this would be the girl in the see through. Th- Nigga, this song is that Amber Rose picture. Oh, oh. it is no foreplay. Yeah. Bush is present. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, folks, we're searching right now for that man. Right now. <laughs> Big sexy and sex. You know, I didn't care for the graffiti bridge version. Yes, I said it. And the so when I. <laughs> so when I said when I saw the reaction to this version on Facebook, I didn't want to you know listen to it until I got you know a good version on the main system. Once I did that, okay, yeah, I get it now. The graffiti bridge version to me sounds slower and muddled, and you know George didn't bring nothing to it. When I hear this. You know, all respect to George, but he didn't need to bring nothing to this. This was great the way it was. This could have been one of those underground things like when um, Erotic City came out. What did he just say? Did he say that? Oh, man. Before that, Irresistible Bitch. You know, another underground. What what did he say? Did he say that? Oh, man. This was the same vibe. And it was nice and long. And I I liked the background vocal, too. It reminded me of something I just can't place right now, but I like the way he worked that. Everything was clear, funky, long. Yeah, this is the one. This is it's not the centerpiece. Computer Blue is the centerpiece, but this is right next to it. This is the one here. All right, there you go. We can fuck. So I have a quick question. So Ernie, you said the album was the the girl in the see through, I think, and. This version is the girl with just the thong. So, what would you call "Weekend Love"? Uh, uh, hmm. What would we call what? 
we can the uh, the, the studio. Oh, the Andy yeah. Ellis thing. He's talking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't call that. That is an abomination. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. With, res- with respect to Andy uh, Ellis. Andy it's not Hollywood Nights. Or Hollywood Affair, bad. Well, no, I don't even know what that is. I don't acknowledge. I don't acknowledge that existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. You, you know, it, it's 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 the it's it's a year two thousand style. How I would expect them to do that type of song, you know, that pop. It, it's so far to me. I'm just. It's so far removed from the essence of what something is it's, it's just watered down man it's like that's a that's a uh, we doing a, we have to recite we have to dance where everyone's got their suit on and you got your hand on her hip and she's got her hand you know, and you do okay one two three one two three <laughs> yeah and the original song is the, 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 the house party downstairs in the basement with the blue light and they down there getting it in you know where they like, oh, my man, let me use your room real quick. <laughs> He's like, why? Because we about to fuck. You know, that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we 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 can love is that is that's that girl looking at you saying, oh, you're so nice. I really like you. Ah, like friends friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what that is. Uh, All right. Okay. Uh, man, the last song on this father's song. Ooh, long awaited. Never heard in this capacity. I'm just keep. I'm gonna say one word. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if I would have heard this earlier, I wouldn't have been as shocked when I heard stuff on the parade album with the piano because I would understand. Oh shit. This dude is on some other... You know, it just goes to show he was so advanced at that period. And I kind of like they hid a lot of that from us for whatever reasons. But you, you know, just like with, uh, you know, what's that dude Bono when he said the famous line, you know, Prince is not just a song and dance man or something like that. You can see that he wasn't just doing these drum programming and, you know, funks. This dude could play like get on the mm-hmm. piano and really construct some shit. So I I think that would have I think that song you could have put that on the album and just it have been contextualized everything to show how deep of a musician he was at such a even at that point of his career. Uh, but I think it's fantastic. I'm going to Sean Hill next. Um, you know, it's it's a beautiful medley, and I, I've often said that I would love to have a you know, clean version of this, and, and we basically got it. Uh, the only thing that I'm going to say negative about it is the synthesizers that come in about, uh, I don't know, two, two minute markers somewhere in that area. Uh, I, I, to me, I think it, it drags it down a little bit, and it, 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 it makes it too full. You know, and I guess maybe because I'm used to the movie and it's just having the piano and whatnot. Um, but other than that, I, again, I think it's great. I 
definitely think it fits. I definitely am glad it's the last song on here because I, I think that's where it needs to be. And it kind of, after all of the embellishments and all of the loudness and all of the funk of the earlier tracks, we just get to you just just mellow out and chill out with this this uh, lovely lovely song. So yeah, I definitely I'm gonna borrow Day Dropping's rating system here. I, I'll give it a, a twenty out of ten. So it's definitely definitely good. All right, big sexy. When I first heard this, to me, it captures a little bit of the melody from Computer Blue a little bit. And listening to this, I'm with Sean. The synthesizers come in. They don't need to. It makes it a little heavy-handed. And it could have been just a stand-up piece on piano along the lines of Sometimes It Snows in April or Alexa to Paris. You know, I, I would have loved that. But what we have is great, and I'll probably be taking it out to Skylar on Thursday, have her transcribe it for me so I can learn how to play it myself. That's right, I said it. I'm a piano teacher. That's right. Oh. All right. So I love it. Right. And pool. I don't know what kind of accolades, any additional accolades I can add to this song. It's definitely a melancholy, moody song. I think that it's definitely, um, to, to me, what I want to know is which came first, this or Computer Blue, since a portion of that is in that song. This. But this, this one came okay. first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because just overall, uh, it's definitely a good track. Um, when I put it next to Venus de Milo, uh, which is the other piano-led uh, instrumental that he's, he's done, well, one of his most famous ones, um, I like the fullness of that song because it has more instruments in here. But at the same time, as we've come to, to say about our prints, um, having this stripped-down version where we're just piano and the synths that come in and I agree with uh, Sean that it kind of does get a little distracting when those other synths get in and I would much prefer just that piano song. Me personally, I, I prefer the, um, the, the original um, instruments as opposed to the electronical versions the drum machines and the synth overall but I, I love this song and I'm glad that we got five minutes of moody depressing melancholy what the fuck am I gonna do in my life god damn I'm depressed this bitch gonna leave me alone or what is that baby mine <laughs> it's gonna take you through all those emotions and then and hopefully you can come up with purple rain I doubt it but you know that's that's the goal all right. I was just going to add the synths, you know, oddly what they remind me, make me think of is like the, uh, the John Carpenter uh, soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. And, sure. and like Blade Runner or something like that. It right. almost gives that, a yeah. sci-fi feel to me, which I can enjoy, but I can see how that may sort of be like that left field too. Um, day drop. Yeah. Um, Ampu said it. It's, it's very melancholy, but it's a very beautiful song. Um, this is one of those songs. It deserves to be listened to in the dark, you know. For me, it, it, it doesn't disappoint, except for one little bit, and I'll get to that at, at the end here. Though there's not much variance to the song, there's enough to keep me listening all the way through. Um, I find the song, you know, extremely sentimental, sad, thought-provoking, and just very sonic in its own way. 
it builds and almost, you know, as that we mentioned here, I mean, not be okay with the with the instrumentation used on it, um, used for the crescendo. I think it, it, that type of music on it, the synths make it haunting, as it should be. Uh, that way, it fits well in the confines of the movie. At that moment that that it's used in the movie, it's very it's a very confusing time as well, and very haunting time as well. So it works that way. However, I, I do have one issue with the song that I really would have liked for it to have included is that little the the end, the last what thirty seconds that are played in the movie when you get off of the main melody and he goes starts uh, going off towards the end, leading to the ending of what the fa- what, what what the father is playing. Um, that part I've always thought that part is so beautiful. And when I sometimes I look for it on YouTube when people are doing their versions of it, I'm always looking to see who can do the best that part the best. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, right? right? After the main melody, they, it goes off and finishes up at the end on the on the piano playing that the father does in the movie. That part was missing here, and I was really hoping to hear that because um, I thought it was so well done in the movie. Uh, so that's really the the only uh, drawback I get from it. Again, this is a nostalgic score on this one, and um, I think this is a great closing song because it ends in a sad way and it feels right for me it feels right that it ends that way i don't know it just probably just you know depressing and all but i mean it just seems correct for me score on this one um uh, knock it down not just because it didn't have that bit that i wanted to hear but i give it a solid nine it's a beautiful song well done and and it deserves to be heard over and over again all right so there you go that was disc two uh, of this release. Now we're going to jump into disc three. We're not going to go for song for song, but we're going to do the standouts and what we thought about it. And I'll be completely honest. Disc three to me is a let down in terms of, cause I, I have no desire and I don't really see the need other than for completed sake to even have seven inch or the edited versions of songs. Uh, doesn't make right. any sense to me personally. I agree. Um, To me, this disc should have been a few things. One, of course, all the long versions of the songs that exist. So I'm happy that they have Let's Go Crazy on here. Uh, They have Erotic City, which I'm hearing there was some audio issue with Erotic City, the extended version. Oh, God, it was horrible. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how that happens. Um, You got to have the God stuff. I get that. Another Lonely Christmas. Again, there's no reason to have the edit version. Just put the extended version. Same with I Would Die For You. Uh, 17 Days. Well, you would have all the B-sides. I would say that, right? But here's what they should have had on this. They should have had Modern Air by Des Dickerson. (laughs) This is featured in the movie and it's never, you know, very, very odd sort of release. And I, to me, just why not put it on this? Uh, you also, here's the thing that should have been a whole disc unto itself, and this we'll probably never get it, which is unfortunate. We should have had the actual musical score from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were ever going to release that, this would have been the release to put that on. Not sure why I didn't do that. That should have came out back then, but the fact that it exists, it should be on here. Uh, the other things they could have put on this again were some of the time songs 
uh, Apollonia six. Even if you if you're gonna pick and choose, like you pick and choose to put seven inches, well then you just put the songs that are featured in the movie. Then you could have put Sex Shooter on here. At least it would have been an official place to get that song. Because I don't think that CD is either available. I don't think that album is either available on CD or digital anymore. Uh, same with some of the time stuff. I would have put. Uh, you know, for completest sakes, you, you, you're going into the vote. I would have took some of that stuff that uh, Big Sexy mentioned earlier from that time, sh- you know, that time show at First Avenue, where they do Jungle Love, and put that on here because he's never been heard anywhere else. It's amazing. It's in the movie. I would have put that stuff on here. Uh, so that's to me what disc three should have been. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand the point of what they've got on here. I agree, hundred percent. I would have gone you a step further, and I would have put the closing credit medley mm-hmm. on there, on there, and in place of all the single edits when doves cry, let's go crazy, etc. I would have just put the thirty-minute "I Would Die for You" on there, and in place of all that, and even the ten-minute version of of uh, "I Would Die for You" just replace it with the thirty-minute version and be done with it. Mm. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this would have been a more complete body to encompass everything. Uh, no, excuse me, feverish. Purple Rain. Um, any other thoughts from you guys on? Well, you know, I, I think um, since you you kind of mentioned all that, uh, what I would have liked to have seen because it really that that the what what I would have liked. For people is going to pretty much take place of this third CD. So I would have liked a, a true um, uh, a, a true version of the soundtrack. Not the Purple Rain album, a version of the soundtrack. Give me all, like you said, all the tracks and sequence them the way they come out in the movie. Give long versions when they're there, when they're available. And uh, uh, put that in there that way. Um, and then uh, the second CD can be Purple Rain, proper as it was released in 80, 84. And then and the third CD could be the extra tracks, like a lot of these tracks that are right here. Um, I would have been okay with that, with a, that kind of a three CD configuration, you know, because I really don't see the need, like you guys said, for the, the third CD as it is right now. It's um, it's unnecessary to, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't see myself ever really listening to it. The only reason I listen to... Um, is it uh, uh ah man it, my, the one you mentioned right i had that 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 mess up at the beginning erotic city erotic city yeah the only reason i listened to erotic city on that version is only because somebody mentioned that it was ugly at the beginning and it is it's, it's there's no excuse for that for for what happens on that but um other than that i probably would never heard that cd i have no reason to you know, it's just a completest thing. But that's how I would have wanted it to, to be together. And then a missed opportunity. Nobody, they didn't bother to, they've got it, like, these extended versions, but didn't get the extended 17 days. How do you not do that? But, yeah. hey, yeah. you know, yeah. that that you did mention at the very beginning of this, the uh, ultimate edition. Are they going to go Star Wars on us? Are they going to give us an ultimate edition? <laughs> I don't know. Give me sign of the times before you do that. So yes. yes. And, and the I thing is, that. it's like there are multiple editions of this. Yeah. Right. So this doesn't make sense. If you're gonna go all out, then go, go all, all out. out. Yeah, because there's no reason to do this again. Again, there was nothing. Well, to, there's one reason to do it. You know, there's the money reason to do it. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. That's why this is done. But I'm saying in terms of, you know, we're gonna wait another thirty years, the sixtieth year. I mean, it, so 
Yeah. <laughs> and again, uh, to me, this edit stuff, I know some people would have probably been in an uproar, but I would have personally said there's no reason to dedicate waste disk space on this. Have that for the streaming version or something because it costs us right. nothing. You can, if, if, you know what I mean? And I don't mind personally if they say going forward, and this is me personally, we don't even need to do the physical. Listen, we're going to redo these masters. It's just make it a digital release. So that way you ain't got to fucking worry about space limitations. We can throw everything on you. <laughs> like I, I would right. have no problem with that because I'd Me rather neither. get the music than to be worried about they have enough space to fit everything on. And, and then I have never seen this before with a single edit, you know, type CD configuration. You have them back to back. I mean, I know right. a, lot, a lot of people don't listen to, you know, CDs in, in order they shuffle or whatever, but you got the single level, let's go crazy. And then the dance mixer, let's go crazy. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why not just put all the single edits together and all the extended stuff together? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, to me, it doesn't make any sense that there are three versions of Windows Cry. Like, I mean, two versions of Windows Cry, three versions of let's go crazy. I'm like, what the hell? You give, you're not giving me my money's worth by giving me a different version or a longer version of a song that I can already listen to. Uh, for me, and I, I know it might have been uh, spoke, said earlier how they're trying to do some streaming things with it and uh, potentially release it on a, another version. Like, you should have the first app stuff in here. Let, let us listen to that. You know, maybe sweeten that up, master that. Um, they should have had, uh, uh, I'm sorry, what was the other thing? They, maybe they should have had like a, a, somebody do a remix of this. I, I don't know. Maybe you might not like it, but at least give me something other than, hey, here's a short version. Here's the original version. Here's the extended version. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, and now, so I want to jump quickly to the to the, the DVD. Now, I don't have the physical release, so I don't have the DVD yet of the Syracuse. But I will say, I know it's it's a classic performance New York uh, Sean I believe you have yeah. the DVD have you watched that yet what do you think? I, I, I watched it last night and I have to say that the estate did nothing to remaster clean it up nothing it's I was it's almost like just watching the VHS version even the even it, it's it's cropped so it doesn't you know fill your screen up on a on a widescreen TV um, you know I I know the show backwards and forwards and, and it was kind of fun to kind of watch it I watched it with uh, with the wife last night she hadn't really seen it before so that was kind of cool just watching with her but for me it, it's kind of it kind of drags a little bit um all the the interludes the, the um the scene between uh take me with you and do me baby that i kind of fast forward through that because i just it's just kind of boring to me um you know i wish that they would have you know done something with the picture you know made it you know widescreen available um I mean, it's it's again good to have as a DVD, but honestly, the picture quality for me is it wasn't any better than the VHS that I that I remember. Um, I probably won't. I watched it, you know, the one time last night. I probably won't watch it again. All right. Uh, yeah, I was uh, when I saw that it was just a DVD. I was like, well, the, okay, I already know what they're going to do with this. Not, they're not going to. You know, expand the screen and go all into that. 
But at least it is in some digital form there. Uh, I would hope that they would think about putting, you know, releasing it, either selling it separately or releasing it to some of the streaming services like Tidal or Netflix or something. Uh, I think it's worth a, it's worth watching. Yes. Uh, yeah. For yeah. sure. If somebody's going to say something? For, for me, yeah, for me, um, wasn't the, there was the Baby I'm a Star, I think there, there was a I Would Die For You, Baby I'm a Star that they released as some type of video. I saw it on MTV. Yeah. That wasn't from Syria. Accused, right? That was from Atlanta, no. correct? Yes, correct. And then uh, "Take Me With You" that was from Atlanta, or I'm not that... sure. What, I'm not sure what "Take Me With You" was was from, but it's not from this show now. So I, I bring that up to say, okay, okay, instead of giving us a uh, the DVD version of something that was already released in the Syracuse, why don't you give us one of the other um, concerts? You clearly have the footage because you you gave it to MTV to use as videos. Uh, for taking with you and I would die for you because that's, that's the first time I uh, heard about the 30 minute version of well I can say 30 minute version but that's when I, I heard the extended version of Baby I'm a Star so I'm like give us that yeah. and also while, while we're talking about live performances I don't know what they would have to do for clearances but give us the Ameri- American Music Award ver- yes. uh, performance of Purple Rain give us the Grammy performance of Baby I'm a Star that would have been great and even if yeah. they made audio versions of that I that think would have been I, a nice addition to it. I'm sorry. They could have just put. They should have put those, and they should have had all of the music videos <laughs> should have been on there as well. Yeah. Like that was, I, I think that that me. absolutely. Yeah. That Grammy stuff and the Mary, I think that stuff is on lock because I don't think any of that is ever. Not just Prince, but any artist. I don't think has ever been on another release or whatever. So I, I maybe it's you know clearance issues or, or whatever. But I haven't seen that stuff or anything. I want to say one more thing about the DVD. When Doves Cry is a travesty. They now I I know that they didn't do any work on the whole thing, but that mirror effect absolutely sucks, and it sucks even worse on the DVD. And that was another one I just skipped through because I cannot stand watching that. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to now go into our final thoughts of this release. And we will just go around the room. So I'm going to start with day dropping. Final thoughts. Um, is it worth getting? Most definitely. Uh, CD2 is worth the price of admission. Uh, like Sean mentioned, uh, Computer Blue and We Can Fuck are some of the best stuff we will have heard probably in a while. So um, I say get it. It's 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 a great. It, it's presented very well from what I've seen. Again, I don't. My version, my copy won't be coming in for a couple of days still. But um, as presented, it looks pretty nice from what I've seen. And for the completists, you definitely want to get something like this seminal album, something that you need to listen to. Uh, for people who are just getting into the mix, get it because some of these tracks that are on CD two, wow, you those are. Re- required listening so definitely get that uh, this is it's a great release um it's not a big step up in sound quality as far as i can tell but it's there and this and the other stuff that comes along with it definitely worth the price of admission i say definitely thumbs up on that and go and get it all right sean hugh uh, i kind of echo ernie uh while not necessarily disc one is not essential uh, you know i mean who had who doesn't have brand at this point uh this too is a must-have uh computer blue obviously uh we can fuck um uh 
the dance electric all of those are, are must have uh the third disc we, we've talked about you know what should have shouldn't have been on there and then the dvd i just think it was a kind of kind of a waste but overall still still prince's most important project uh so definitely worth having definitely worth having in the configuration that it's in uh the booklet is is nice it's got a lot of uh susan rogers anecdotes in there which i i've kind of skimmed through i haven't read it yet uh the revolution gives a, a, a track by track analysis of the album and kind of again anecdotes about you know different things that were going on at the time so it's definitely worth having some pictures of the uh famed poster that comes came with the album back in the day different outtakes from that so it's definitely worth having from a completest point of view so i definitely recommend it all right and poo um, I have to echo a lot of the sentiment of some of the panelists before me, uh, the remasters and the extended versions. I mean, if, you, if you're not a Prince fan, I mean, if you don't, if you don't already own this stuff, it's definitely worth getting, especially for this two with the um, official released uh, vault music. But I mean, overall, as someone who's a longtime Prince fan as someone who owns the physical copy of the purple rain who owns a lot of the um boots of computer blue of the live performances of the first half i feel like this was a missed opportunity i don't know who we should blame for this but i'll just say you know what i'm not gonna point any fingers i'm not gonna shit on anyone i'm not gonna talk crap or uh, talk bad on anyone just say you know what you know, thank you to Warner, thank you to Prince, even thank you to Joshua for uh, giving us uh, some of the, that unreleased material so we can know just what type of other level, other world, other galaxy Prince was on musically. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep on saying it to anybody want to fight me. Michael Jackson fans, Madonna fans, James Brown fans, Elvis fans. Prince is the greatest musician, entertainer of the 20th century. All right, big, sexy, and sack. You know, a lot of us have a lot of this music that's in here. But again, disc two makes it must have. The third CD, all the seven singles, who cares? Not me. I like the remastered of the main deal, but again, it is all about disc two. When Warner did, and I think it was called Ultimate Prince several years ago, they had a disc on there that had all B-sides and they were all extended. That's what these guys should have done here if they're going to do B-sides and things like that. Um, I'm going to pick up the physical copy just for the notebook because I want to read all the liner notes in it. But again, this is all about disc two. When the last thing came out, forever, yeah, didn't get that. It had a bunch of seven-inch singles on it again. Nothing new. This is something new. I'm all over this. <clears throat> for uh, you know, the real fan, this is something you gotta have. Again, just for disc two, that makes it worth it, right there. All right. Uh, I would say this. Somebody's got their speakers on. Or turn the mics down or something. All right. So my take on this album is I'm going to do it in two ways. For the Prince fan, it's a musket. Disc two, 
We've been wanting to hear vault material in perfect quality. We got that. You have to get it. No questions asked. Uh, you get the live concert. Great. Uh, you get the booklet and stuff. Great. So on that level, I say for a Prince fan, you got to get it. Now, going further, though, uh, and is the word perpetuity? I don't know if I'm using the right word. Going from years from now, this album will be, in my opinion, one of the must-own albums uh, for the next people. You know, for, for newer people who aren't super fans, who've heard of Prince, uh, you've heard of Purple Rain, you, you may have seen it on TV or something, you've heard some of these songs, this will be a must-own album. I'll explain why. It may be one of the most important. Because uh, probably in five years, I would imagine these CDs will not be, for, not be selling. This set will not be for sale. We ain't got CD players, so there'll be no sense to sell something you can't play. Uh, you won't have a DVD player, so it'll be no sense to buy a DVD. You ain't got nothing to play it on. And you probably grew up never buying CDs in the first place, so again, it would be odd to buy something that you don't understand. But to me, the real people that I think will see this are people who grew up in the streaming world and have a phone and all your music is at your palm and connected devices. This would be the album you down you add to your you know, collection or your whatever playlist. And I say that because you're going to get Purple Rain. The remaster thing is unimportant. But you have to have Purple Rain. Purple Rain is one of those must-own albums. If you, As a younger kid or somebody growing up and you're starting to get your own, like, identity and you want to learn about music, then you have to have Purple Rain. Um, just like for me, when I was a young kid, I wasn't around when James Brown was popping. I wasn't around when Sly was popping. But I, as I started to learn, oh, I got to have a riot, a riot going on. That's, that's, supposed to, that's a must-own. Some of them Stevie Wonder albums is must-own. Like, if you want to understand music. So if you're going to want to understand music, you're going to have to have Purple Rain. So you're going to get this. Because that's what's going to be available to you. And you're going to hear that second disc as well. And then you'll be able to put in, like, wow. You won't have the context to understand that oh, this song came out on this other album. You won't have that yet, but you're going to have great fucking material and more great music to listen to. And I think when you put it in that realm, you'll be like, man, this guy is fucking amazing. Now, I understand why he uh, got the, excuse me, the, the Lifetime Award in 2020 when, uh, you know, Little Dumbass was on stage and he mentioned that he's influenced by Prince. I understand what that was. Now you understand why, what it was, or they say like, Hey, this guy, uh, is very influenced by Prince. And you didn't understand what Prince was, but you heard this guy, this album would be the one you'd be able to sit back and say, okay, Whoa, this, these songs are amazing. Let me go get, let me add some of his other stuff to my playlist, or let me go watch this movie or whatever. That's how I see this album in the long run will be. Uh, because these songs will continue to be a part of pop culture. They'll, you, your parents are going to be listening to those oldie stations. And you're going to hear these songs pop off. And you'll be like, oh, man, I remember hearing that. Oh, When Doves Cry. This is that same guy? Fuck, this song, Let's Go Crazy, is better than that. Or you might like this. So to me, when I look at a release like this, this is where I see where this release is, is really for. You know, it's for the legacy 
of Prince and it's for people who's going to hear it down the line. The same way for me when I picked up uh, James Brown and the Jungle Groove. You know, it was essentially a compilation, but it had funky drummer on it, which I knew from hearing other shit. I was like, oh, and I started putting the pieces together. And I went back and listened to some of the catalog. I may have listened to it out of order, but I started to get it. And I think this album will be that way. Because, again, I don't think that they're going to sell this Greatest Hits package in the form that we get it today. It will not be around in five years because, again, won't be selling those CD players. They don't come in cars, so what are you going to be buying a CD for? You can't get a Watchman or a CD player. So to me, this is a this is being sold to us as fans today who actually still have something to play that physical material on and who get off on holding something in our hands. But obviously, you know, they ain't going to sell this probably even three years from today. Why would one of brothers manufacture something like this? It'd be too costly. But with that said, to me. I would argue this would be, I think Sean says it was important albums, and it is. And this type of release will make sure that it, it is and it gets the proper, you know, uh, display that it should. They will probably do some of his other albums like that as well, I would imagine. And again, I would not be mad if they are only available in the medium of that day, which would probably be streaming of some sort. Um, I think there's a great. There's a release by Motown of uh, DeBarge. I don't know if this has ever been sold physically. Again, who's going to stock a DeBarge album in 2016, <laughs> right? But I know it is new because I put it on my Google Play. It is all of the albums released as one, as its own cover. And it also has the instrumental songs, versions of their classic hits, like, which is a cold-ass move to do because the music is banging. And I'm like, I appreciate this. I, I know they don't sell the disc, but the album itself is banging. So I could see them doing prints like that. That's why when I look at this release, I'm like, oh, this is okay. That's why I said, why don't they just go ahead and put all the other shit on there? Because they don't put it on there because they're limited because they're dealing with old medium, which is CDs, which are limited. But in the CD, you know, streaming world, there's no limitations. The album can be 150 tracks long. It doesn't matter. So, yes, this is a great release for today. It's going to be even a greater release in five or ten years because it's, we're gonna, you have it all right there. And that's one hell of a track list to add to your queue in your streaming. And you're going to get the mother, you're going to get that sign, you're going to get, I mean, you're going to get Window, uh, Purple Rain. And you're going to get that second jump off, come on. And you're like, whoa, okay. Let me add some more of his shit. And, and you're going to get the music. And that's the whole, that's why this is important to me. This is a legacy project. So there you go. It's a little long-winded, but I just want to make sure I put that in context of why it's important to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, we want to know what you think about this project. Do you, th- you know, I'm going to go back to some of those earlier questions about, you know, Josh. And a shout out to him. You know, he, hey, if somebody, if Prince told me, is, yo, you're my guy right now, uh, we're about to go remax, remaster Dirty Mind. You think I'm going to tell him no? <laughs> be like, uh, hell yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but we're going to learn. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get this credit. But at the same point, as a, 
hey, make it. Hey, I'll be on YouTube studying like a mug. But for the culture, though, don't we need to make sure that they really get some eyes and ears who who've been around the project, who've been around the studio that understand sound and can really get that pop off? Because when we get to Sign of the Times, you're not going. We're not going to allow you to have. Um, and, and with all great heart behind it, we're not going to allow uh, somebody new <laughs> who may not have the track record to, because that's an album that does need to be touched on, right? It needs to be worked on. You're not going to just come in there and, and click, use the mouse and click on a few little options. Nah, nah, we need that. We need that thorough. We need to have Susan and such and such in there. I was get Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? Get people who really understand that style. Get them in there so we can get it proper. This one didn't really require that, <clears throat> but going forward, we got to make sure that's it's thorough, you know. So that's that would be my my thing. Um, but yeah, I want to hear from the listeners as we get up out of here. We're gonna go around the room real quick. Sean Hill, where can they find you online? All right, they can find me uh, at. Um uh, Hill Street Views on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Sean Hill, and uh, Real Movie Talk, and, and the blog, hillstreetviews.blogspot.com. All right. Mr. Day Dropping, man. Again, uh, thank you for joining us today. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Yes, Where can sir. they find you, man? Yeah, um, Twitter at Ernie Wiles and Facebook. Also, Ernie Wiles. Very simple. All right. Mr. Ampu. Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Pooh. Uh, last night, um, everybody go ahead and give your boy L. I waited till the last minute to get my revolution tickets. And them some bitches were like $180. My beginning of the day, they were 30 By the time I was ready to order them, they were 180 I'm like, what the hell? So L received, and I'll go ahead and carry that. But tonight... I'm RSVP'd for Purple Rain Remastered and Expanded Party hosted by Warner Brothers and MPG. So I'll be at New House in Sunset. So if you uh, got the stroke, pause to get up in there and holler at your boy. Got the stroke? I never heard that term. Apparently. Yeah, the stroke. You know, the pull, pause. Oh, okay. To get up in there. I'm, I'm, I'm slipping. Uh, I'm slipping. Quiet as kept. Apparently, uh, uh, Spike Lee might be up in there. All right, all right. So they're going to be showing the. Uh, apparently, they're going to be showing the uh, Syracuse concert and then just uh, cocktail pause. <laughs> Appetizers taking us too far. <laughs> all right, well, man, that sounds like you have a good time. Uh, big sexy and sack. I can be found on Facebook under Mark Wiggins and on Twitter, WSE Mark. Uh, I will be attending the July 11th show for the revolution and looking forward to it. All right. And uh, give a, when you guys go to the revolution, man, of course, go holler at uh, Scotty, Scotty Baldwin. He's doing the oh. sound and uh, he's definitely, I was talking to him the other day. He said, man, every show people are coming up to him saying they, he heard him on podcast juice and dapping him up. So definitely when you see him, give him a what's up and all that good stuff. Man, shout out to the rest you of the need- podcast Juice family, right? Uh, Big Ken, uh, Q Storm, uh, Kanisa, 
Um, so yeah, shout out to everybody. I'm sorry, you about to say something, Ampu? I know. I was gonna say you need to give me his email, uh, Scotty's email, so I can hit him up. I'm like, dude, why you kidding? Got me in at L.A. Yeah, and he's Damn. yeah, definitely hit him up on Twitter. He's he's an active Twitter guy. I don't know you on Twitter, so but yeah, I'll, I'll shoot that to you. Um, so yeah, also to our listeners again, we so much appreciate you spending the time with us and listening. Uh, and of course, I have to shout out to all of our supporters on uh, all access. And now we're moving over to Patreon. So if you uh, know what Patreon is, if you don't, I'm going to have a link on the bottom of this. So we're moving everything over to Patreon. And when you join over there, it's only a dollar at the least. It's just a buck a month. Everyone can pop that down. But with that, you're going to get a lot of uh, old school uh, Prince podcast content, exclusive stuff. So definitely jump on board for that. And, uh, yo, as I always say... Work it like a job. We will see you next time. Peace. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Man. <laughs> <laughs>